Welcome to Tectonic Takes, everybody. My name is Fabian Renkel. I'm here with your co-host, Ivan, as well. And then we have a special guest today. Very special guest in the realm of Quakes News and Quakes Media and Quakes Blogs, really. Dan, Quakes fan, how you doing today, man? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on, by the way. Appreciate yeah. you guys. Yeah, this is Dan from uh, Goonie Time Radio. If you ever heard of that mm-hmm. podcast, very famous podcast, him and uh, Mrs. Quakes fan, they run a great show over there. I got mm-hmm. a story if you want to hear that, by the way. Let's do it. Go for it. Up in, uh, up in Roseville, my parents were living up there, and uh, we're at the Top Golf. And, you know, I'm wearing my Quakes attire and things like that. And uh, we're, you know, hitting balls. And guy's like, hey, are you an uh, Earthquakes fan? I'm like, yeah, I'm an Earthquakes fan. <laughs> He's like, oh, yeah, do you listen to podcasts? I'm like, yeah, I listen to podcasts. What? Um, oh. you, ever, you ever listen to Goonie Time Radio? I'm like, uh, yeah. Oh, you know Dan? Yeah, I am Dan. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so I was like, hey, man, this, this actually is getting a little bit of traction with this podcast. So I thought that was kind of funny. All the way up in Roseville, of all places. Yeah, that's kind of crazy. Wow. That, yeah. that- were you just on the highest of highs right there? You're like, yeah, I'm famous, dude. I well, that's the funny thing is because we were telling my brother like not ten minutes before about how we do this podcast, and you know, there's a it's kind of a niche fan base, but you know, it's fun to talk about the quakes and things like that. And then all of a sudden, this guy sees me in like earthquakes gear, and he's like, "Hey, you're an earthquakes," and we kind of like strike up this conversation. My yeah. brother's listening to this whole thing, <laughs> and then like he sees it all revealed in front of him. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm curious. Do you remember if that was like before Sacramento Republic was in? A club? Uh, no, this was um, this was during Sacramento Republics. Oh, okay, I, interesting. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And Dan also runs um, QuakesFan.com. So if you've ever mm-hmm. um, seen that around, or if you've been on it, this is the man, the myth, and the legend right now. So <laughs> um, we are we are featured on his blog as well. So we're very thankful. Thank you, Dan, for that. Thank you. Yeah, I'm always. If the, in fact, if there's anybody who's out there who has any blogs or podcasts, I always try to promote the team. So um, I got, as, as far as I know, I have blogs um, and podcasts. So if, if there's anybody out there that's working that I don't have represented, please just uh, let me know. I'll put you up on my, on my blog too. All right. That's great. It's nice to see. And that's what we've been getting, talking to uh, Dom last week and now you, that mm-hmm. every, this is a very collaborative community that you, while we take pride in our work and we, do the best we can we also you know support others and give others a do and that's really cool of you yeah, yeah I thank mean, you this is the dark times of the quakes right we need to all band together and <laughs> get through it yeah <laughs> i mean i've seen some pretty dismal seasons and i think this is i mean 2018 was bad but this is i think this is going to be worse yeah um, in terms of being a fan you know 2013 it started off bad but we we ended well um mm-hmm. you know and, you know, you can't really, the, the, the early years are a new expansion team. You can't right. really have too much ex- expectations. But this year had a lot of expectations. And, right. yeah, to see where we're at now, it's, it's, you know, it's a mourning process. But, you know, misery loves company, right? So we can all, like, commiserate <laughs> together. So yeah. Well, yeah. yeah, this is a safe place for uh, us Quakes fans that are uh, warning you know the team <laughs> right yeah. yeah i'm wearing so, my black uh, jersey mm-hmm. by the way just so yeah, do, do, do. yeah. Do, do, do. well in dan's latest blog he talks about kind of the almeida quotes before the 2020 season and how confident that an unchanged group would succeed dan you want to talk a little bit about it yeah so i think you everyone's playing the blame game right now right like what's wrong with the team is it the coach is it the players 
Is it the system? Um, and so there's a lot of like finger pointing and people are, are quick to blame Jesse Fiorinelli. They're quick to blame John Fisher, not so quick to blame Matias Almeida. Right. And so, um, you know, it's like, you know, Almeida has a system, but he doesn't have his players. And I'm like, well, and he was kind of like coming to the media like that. Like, yeah, our, our players just aren't up to MLS caliber right now for lack of kind of paraphrasing right. what he said. Um, and I just remember like, well, you kind of implied that the team was ready back in the preseason, right? It's like, you know, uh, for me, we don't need to have a high turnover rate. In fact, the, the players know the system. We should be doing a lot better this year. So he made it sound like we didn't need an, a complete overhaul of the roster, but now it sounds like he's saying that we do. So uh, I just kind of gathered some of his quotes and said, you know, let's kind of look at the whole picture here. I'm not saying he's entirely to blame. Um, I think blame goes all around, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I just wanted to like, you know, draw attention to the fact that, yeah, Matias Almeida um, is saying things now that might not um, agree with what he was saying at the beginning of the year in terms of the roster and the player caliber. Right. And he's, he's flip-flopping. I mean, before he yeah. was saying, he was saying everything that the, you know, the owner wanted to hear and now he's finally not. So yeah, like it's kind of like a politician, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's on the hot seat, you know? So mm-hmm. yeah. His recent press conferences compared to in the off season, feels like a night and day contrast. It feels like we're talking about either two completely different teams or two your, these quotes are, years apart rather than within the same past season yeah i mean his i mean the critique the critique is valid i mean unfortunately he should have known he doesn't have the players so why are you gonna try to run the system and again this season is an abnormally you know is abnormality so we can't really put it on him too hard i don't know i'm i'm in between i'm between both camps What, what do you guys think so for me, I think um, there's a lot of issues. I think, and I kind of hinted at this before, you know, Jesse Fiorinelli, he had one project going and then he pivots with Matias Almeida to begin a new project. Mm. And he was using a lot of the old players from that old project to try and make a system work, a new system work. And it just didn't work for, you know, a lot of reasons, a lot of reasons, you know. Um, I think, you know, Fiorinelli's players, I don't think, were as good as he thought they were going to be in MLS, you know, with Vaco and um, some of the other players that he brought in before Matias Almeida that were now expected to run this new system. Um, and I, I just see, you know, uh, I, I, one of the things Matias Almeida brought up is we're having to rely on a lot of our youth players and things yeah. like that. Well, Colorado, they put out a stat. The average age of their starting lineup was 23, wow. something like that. So I'm like, well, if you're talking about youth versus youth, like Colorado put out a very youthful team as well. Yeah. And they still steamed us five nothing. Like, so I don't buy the argument that it's the players per se uh, that they're just not up to caliber or they're too young or something like that. I think there's a lot going on. Right. This will be a theme, not just in this individual podcast, but throughout these next several weeks, because Quakes fans are all over the board with, be in on the scale of hashtag Almeida out or on yeah. the other end of the spectrum, Almeida can do no wrong. And neither of those are necessarily true. It, the truth lies somewhere in the middle. And even though I'm a bit more lenient towards Almeida because the Liga Mekis club I support is Guadalajara. So mm-hmm. I've seen him succeed mm-hmm. there. Uh, I 
can't turn a blind eye on some of the decisions that he's made. And one, the ones that you pointed out and have been baffling to me as well, the constant selection of Andy Rios and Daniel Vega right. over Chris Wondolowski and JT Martinkowski. And especially in this period where almost every other position is seeing regular rotation, but Andy Rios keeps drawing starts and Vega has gone has started all but one game this season. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, who doesn't succeed with the pocketbook of Guadalajara, though? I mean, let's be honest. <laughs> yeah. Play. Small talent pool, though. Small talent pool, but still. That's, a, that's another thing I think um, that we need to draw attention to is when Mateo Almeida comes in, uh, Matias Almeida comes in, he's, he's expecting the team to spend, right? Right. And well, they kind of – say that again. I don't know how – sorry to cut you off, Dan. I don't know how that doesn't come up in his scouting of the team or in the conversation when he had, when he took the job, like how does that not come up? How do you say, okay, how much money do I have to play with? It's kind of like asking. Yeah. Me, right. Yeah. I mean, it's almost like you're, you're got, you got Almeida versus Fisher and Almeida needs, um, you know, a, a better salary to be able to bring in players and, be able to have that the caliber of players that he's advocating for, and you got uh, an owner like Fisher who is notorious for pinching pennies and trying to make the most money. I mean, he's he's yeah always been that way. So yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, scouting should have been. <laughs> uh, well, it, the craziest part about it was that we remember we ran that whole ordeal that we we got a team to find us our next coach, and we ran like a whole system after Starry that we're gonna hire this group to find us a coach. And they must have done a yep. great job kind of selling San Jose to Matias Almeida and whatever potential coaches we were going to get. But, again, I don't – so how do you not know Fisher's going to be involved? Um, I talked to Andres Imperiale, and I asked him, mm-hmm. hey, man, what do you, did you ever think, like, the, the Quakes like, were cheap on the nutrition side or did they feed you guys? Like, did you ever feel like there was something missing? And he said, no, on that side they were really good. But – uh, take this with a grain of salt, but Andres Imperiali only really saw him about three times the whole tenure he was there. So I don't think if you're that <laughs> off with something, I mean, how, how, can you, how can you expect it to run smoothly if you're that hands off with something? I mean, I guess you're just making money, right? You're making money and you don't really care about what the product is. And it just shows we're at that point again. Right. Um, as Phil put it on Quakes After 90, the Quakes fan base seems to be focused, if not fixated, on who to blame more. And this is reiterating what Dan and the rest of us are saying as well. And I just want to call to whoever is listening to this, as we continue to sift through the crap that is these last eight results, including four big blowout losses, and try to rack our brains what went wrong. I don't mind playing the blame game, but the most important thing, rather than the who, is the why. Why are these people making these decisions rather than why are these people not good enough? So that's going to be something that we're going to try to focus on a bit more. But before we get into that, we do have a bit of a fun uh, quiz to bring us back to the happier times. (laughs) (laughs) A trip down memory lane. (laughs) Yeah. So I call this Quake's flashback. So I'm going to name a player and they're either going to be on the 2012 roster, the, tw- the one that won the Supporters' Shield, Goonie Time, and the one who just sneaked into the playoffs, but that feels like 
a great achievement compared to where we're at now in 2017. Mm. Some might be on both. Yeah. And maybe if I'm feeling a little evil, I might throw in one that wasn't an either, but we'll, we'll okay. see. Yeah. So, uh, Dan, yeah, you me be on. The, all right. I'm a vibe baby. All right. I don't know anything <laughs> about this. So oh, I remember, we'll I remember that 2012 season really well. That was a, that was an awesome season. The Buckshaw days. So we'll play uh, to five points for us to get five right, uh, but we'll go even turns. So if someone gets to five, the other person will get a chance to rebuttal. And right. uh, we'll start with you, Dan, since you're our guest. Are you ready? Yep. yep. All right. David Bingham. Well, 2012, uh, not 2016, 2017. So David Bingham, he was on our roster in the 2012 season. Wow, okay. But yes. he was Not. also on 2017 with Pepper Sarno and Andrew Ugh. Tarbell. Okay. So uh, unfortunately, you don't get a point there. Five, okay. you're. That was a hard. You know, I thought. I thought he. I thought after that, yeah, that national team call up, he was persona non grata at that point. But yeah, okay. All right. So. Fabi, we got Darwin Seren. Uh, 2017, easy. That's correct. <laughs> the harder one. <laughs> yeah. Don't worry. Some, you be careful what you wish for. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. All right, Dan. Jamir Hika. 2017. That is correct. Yeah. All right, Fabi. Victor Bernardes. Both. Victor Bernardo oh, no. was on both. Actually. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, he came in in 2012, right? That's what happened. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, it's pretty interesting because in the 2012 page for the Earthquakes roster, he's listed as um, no. Wait, sorry, that was uh, yes. Yeah, so it's interesting. He's listed as uh, Honduran in 2012. <laughs> and then Bernardes has the American flag next to him for some oh, reason in 2017. Right? He didn't count. That's he why. Didn't okay. All right. Yeah, he should, so cur- currently, he, Bobby. He sh- go ahead, Dan. I was going to say he played in the World Cup under for Honduras in 2018. 2014. Or, or 20, not 2018? I thought. No, it was 2014. Honduras States. didn't qualify in 2018. Oh, I thought that was the one where uh, the United States got out. Uh, Mexico and um, Costa Rica, and I thought it was Honduras was that uh, third CONCACAF team. Honduras was in 2010 with USA and Mexico. It was just those three. And then 2014, it was those three plus Costa Rica because Mexico was the fourth place team in CONCACAF, and they knocked out New Zealand in Intercontinental. Got it. Okay. Ivan, you're on the ball. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I started watching soccer because of the World Cup, so I know a bit more <laughs> World Cup trivia than I should. Uh, CONCACAF podcast right here. Let's go. <laughs> all right, uh, Dan. Uh, your next player is Alan Gordon. Uh, definitely 2012, not 2017. Yeah. Correct. So it's tied 2-2 with uh, Fabi's third turn coming up. No, uh, this is a second turn. Uh, oh, yeah, this is a third turn. Yeah, yeah, third. Okay, sorry. No worries, no worries. Fabi, Simon Dawkins. Uh, 2017. Oh, both. Both. 
Hmm. I'll let that slide, Fabi. But next time, the first one you say will be all right. All right. Yeah. Second tenure, you know. Yeah, and this is another one where Simon Dawkins, he was listed as an English player in 2012, and then he, he uh, started representing Jamaica in 2017. Yeah. So yeah, which is funny. Yeah. So did mm-hmm. we did we only get Simon Dawkins out of that Tottenham Hotspurs partnership? Like was it? That was in fact, yeah, that was a, a heavily touted deal where they're like yeah we're gonna have a a partnership set up and (laughs) Dawkins came over and that was the only player that came over from Tottenham they probably were like you know we'll give him to you for free but just put some (laughs) advertising (laughs) well that's the thing like he came over and he was a stud and they wanted like a million dollars or some huge transfer fee or something like that and right I'm like yeah we can't really afford that and then we never did another deal with Tottenham again (laughs) well yeah you know he had that great goal when we won against Toronto down I think two men and then oh yeah, uh-huh. that was a that was a great goal, and I was I always wondered like what happened like why did he just fall off? I, I never understood. Yeah, I know he went um, Aston Villa, I think, and then oh, wow. he went to like Derby County, and yeah, he just his career just progressed towards the lower leagues. I don't think he ever recovered. Wow. Do you think it was like a confidence thing? I. I, I probably a lack of playing. I think because right. uh, when he, he was on the bench at Tottenham. And if you're mm. not getting the field time, you know, your, your skills are not, you know, being honed as much as they could be. And right. Yeah. I think that really hurt, a, hurt his career. Yeah. Even at that time where Spurs weren't necessarily considered one of the big six yet in England, you had players like Giovanni Del Santos who were not mm-hmm. seeing any game time there. So it was pretty difficult even back uh, then. Yeah. All right. Dan's turn, right? Yep. Yes. All right. So your player is – sorry, I lost I'm my place you. for a sec. <laughs> oh, yeah, sorry. Here we go. <laughs> your player is Rafael Baca. Uh, 2012, not 2017. That is correct. Yeah, Baca. I wish we brought that guy back, too. I mean, he's been such a good player in Liga MX. Like. It's funny how many former Quakes of that 2012 squad, 2013 squad, just became studs really? <laughs> after they left San Jose. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, Justin Morrow, Stephen Betashore. Right. Yeah. I mean, Rafa Baca, he was awesome. Yeah. Just frustrating. We, we just didn't want to sign these guys. I mean, we didn't want to pay their wages. Like, do you remember what happened? I there's always a salary issue from what I can remember. Like it was, in fact, a lot of it was like, it wasn't even like a lot of money. It was just like maybe like a thousand or $2,000 between salary of one team and another. And Oh, wow. You know, so yeah. Yeah. They're probably trying right. to save every dollar to penny pinch. For that yeah. Time. I think they're trying to, yeah, they're trying to get the most money out of their players and didn't want to have to pay a, a big salary. So. Right. All right, Favi, your next player is Kari Stephenson. Kari, I'm going to say 2017. Kari Stephenson was on the 2012 roster, but not 2017. So we're tied up at three apiece. Okay, okay. (laughs) All right, so next up we have uh, Dan. And if you get this wrong, then Favi has a chance to win it. Uh, Tommy Thompson. Tommy Thompson, uh, homegrown 
uh, I want to say that was 2016. So he's on the 2017 roster, but not the 2012. Correct. He made his senior debut for San Jose in 2014. So you're okay. right. Yeah. All right, Tavi, this is your chance to tie it up. Oh, gosh. Aiko Parra. Oh, 2012. All right. 4 yeah. 4. Okay. So we'll do one more round, and then if you guys are still tied after that, I'll, I'll think of a tiebreaker. Okay, sure. <laughs> good. Sounds good. Ico Parra is another player that we had in 2012. Right. And <laughs> look at what he's done after, you know, he was injured with uh, Sporting Kansas City, but once he got over those injuries, he's been he's, lights out. He's even been a stud with Minnesota. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So imagine if we had Ico Parra back there all these years. Oh. I know. Yeah. I've been advocating Ico Parra for the U.S. Men's National Team for a while. He's been Defender of the Year a couple times. Yeah. Yeah. Like candidate or, you know, up there. So, yeah. All right, so I'm going to give you Sam Cronin, Dan. Uh, Sam Cronin moved to Minnesota after the 2012. Uh, see, I think it was, uh, no, Colorado. So he's just 2012. I don't think he was 2017, just 2012. That's correct. All right, Fabi, and All then right, we go. your player, Kip Colby. Oh, Kip Colby, 2017. All right, so there's no fun. Oh, pride in New Zealand. Yeah, the New, <laughs> the New Zealand stud. <laughs> All right, so this is our tiebreaker. Uh, we're going to do hot potato on the 2017 roster of players that – it could be even players that we've already named. So we're, we'll take okay. turns this time. Fabi, you'll start out, and then Dan, you'll go next. We'll keep right. going until one of you is silent for five seconds. Okay? Sure. <laughs> okay. All right. Ready, Fabi? Yeah, yeah. So you're going to say a name and I say yes or no? No, you just say a name that's on the 2017 roster. If you get it wrong, oh. or if you're silent oh. for five seconds, then you lose. So this okay. is sudden death. Okay. 2017, right. not 2012. Yeah, we're disregarding 2012 now. Okay. We're okay. just doing 2017. All right? You ready. guys both ready? Ready. All right. So go, Fabi. Jimmy Hika. All right. Go, Dan. Wando. All right. Innocent Amagara. Oh, oh I'm sorry. Innocent Amagara was not on the 2017 roster, Wait. so Dan wins. Oh, oh, I'll take it. I was going to say Shea Salinas for the win, but. <laughs> yeah, I was, I, was trying to go, I was trying to go like, uh, you know, some hard ones first and then yeah. the easier ones later. I was going to go, go through, through goalkeepers. I was, yeah, I'm like. <laughs> I'll go through some of the hard ones real quick that you could have answered. Kofi Sardo Sarkodi. Oh, I thought Francois that was. Francois Falter. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Cordell Cato. Laurie Youngberg. He just had one appearance, but Lindo and Fika. <laughs> Harold Cummings should be on there. Um, yeah, Harold Cummings. Tarbell, uh, I think, should Quintero. be on there. The Panamanian. Yep. Yeah, Darwin Quintero. Yeah. Mark Pelosi, Matthew Silva, and uh, Quincy on Mariqua. Oh, Quincy. Uh, no JJ Koval on that list? Oh, yeah. J yeah, no JJ Koval on the 2017. Oh, okay. Huh. Okay. All right, then. So that'll conclude this quiz segment. And now we'll go into the first game, the September 19th matchup, where the San Jose Earthquakes played Portland Timbers in the second time in a three-day span. And to put it lightly, it did not go the same way. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It was, it was a tough game. Um, again, these are all going to be tough games. It's kind of like we don't really want to talk about them, but we're going to have to go through it. So, I mean – Looks like the six ch uh, changes from the 1-1 draw. 
It was Vega, Lima, Judson, Beatson, Lopez, and Youngberth. Or, or I'm sorry, I'm saying the whole thing. Um, the starting 11 was Vega, Lima, Yudsen, Beeson, Lopez, Youngberth, Fierro, Yule, Calvillo, Salinas, and Rios. And um, basically, we saw a couple of guys that we didn't get to see. Yeah, of the six changes that didn't start in this game, that started in the first Portland game, I think four of them should have probably started, but I understand it's tough with the short time span. Ideally, you yeah. would have liked to see – Marcinkowski, Alanis, Espinosa, and Vaco. I probably would have left Marie and Akanya Rije on the bench for this one. But yeah. I want to say Alanis was injured too. Wasn't he injured? Oh, yeah. As well. uh, That's so true. He could, That's he was, so he couldn't, he couldn't start that second game. Okay, right then. So that, those were the most baffling parts for me because Espinosa and Vaco, they provide a lot of the potential creativity on this. Uh, rosters. So mm-hmm. when you're starting Fier- Fierro, Salinas, and Rios as essentially your front three, and if we're going at a very generous 4 3 3, although right. it looks more like a 4 1 4 1 on the way the lineup is shown on MLS.com, uh, it definitely was going to be a slow start offensively for the Quakes, but it turned out to be even worse defensively. Yeah, I mean, for this game, not really a lot to kind of go over. Um, again, the man marking system's off. Uh, once one player is off, then the whole thing crumbles. And that's kind of a theme that we're going to get the next couple of games as well. So we'll see if they can all get together. Dan, what did you think of the game? Um, you know, I, I think we saw a lot of what the future might look like in terms of like Tanner Beeson. I don't think he is quite MLS quality. He's probably more of a USL right. player. Um, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't know if this is entirely player um, related as, as to why the one, one became a six one, uh, you know, a draw becomes like a, a huge blowout as opposed to, I mean, Espinosa is that's criminal. You gotta have that guy in your starting 11. Right. Um, he is just, he is just a dynamo for everything quakes offense Vaco, if, if he's playing at, you know, maybe like 95% of his effort level, he's usually pretty good. The problem is he's usually about a 60% yeah. effort per game and he doesn't get back on defense, you know? So, um, yeah, I, I, I don't mind seeing Vaco not in there. Uh, Shea got really, really burned. Yeah. Shea had <laughs> so, a bad game. That's for sure. Yeah. The yeah. thing I, I've noticed with the, with the, the man marking, I mean, it's, it's as strong as your weakest link. Right. And <laughs> What, what showed that to me the most is when Flo got beat by Jordan Morris yeah. in Seattle. You know, Jordan Morris goes right around him, and he starts dribbling the ball. Flo's flat, running as fast as he can, and all the other players are sticking with their man and their man-marking system. And so Jordan Morris has a one-on-one, and it's like, yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a problem. With, as soon as one guy gets beat, then the whole chain kind of crumbles, you know. So um, I think, you know, it, we forget that Portland was they, – they were dealing with all the smoke. They didn't really prepare – um yeah i heard i heard that they were playing 77s they couldn't even feel the full squad because it was so smoky up there wow um, so i don't think they really prepared coming into san jose for that first game whereas the second game they were able to prepare more yeah and then obviously you know diego chara yimmy chara they just were valeri had a great game yeah 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 so i'll just run you through quickly the uh, changes that portland made so you had ivasic who i've He's either a second or third choice goalkeeper because I'm not sure quite where Jeff Atanella. I think he's a third. Fits. 
Yeah, I figured Jeff Etanella was either second or third. I was leaning second. He had but, that David uh, Bingham haircut going too. <laughs> yeah, so other than that, like the ch- changes that were made for players like Bonilla, Polo, Williamson, Mora, Nesgoda, and Yimmy Chara, you still had a lineup of Loria, Diego Chara, Paredes, Konechny, Valerian, and Bobise. That doesn't look yeah. anywhere near the drop-off that when you rotate a San Jose Earthquakes team. And right. that's part of the problem. Unfortunately, this roster isn't built with the same amount of depth as the Cascadia teams, maybe barring Vancouver, but even then, like Vancouver has gotten a bit more deep and definitely not the L.A. teams. At least Vancouver has a striker, though. They have Freddie Matero. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, it would be nice to have him on this team. Uh, uh, nice. <laughs> I mean, why don't we trade within teams? I, that's another thing. Kai Kamara just got traded to Minnesota. We could have easily paid a little gam, a little garbage books, you know, but we didn't want to do it, so. Uh, right. I've I've only known Jesse Fiorinelli to make one trade within MLS, and that was um, was it Darwin, uh, Darwin Quintero? I, yeah, Darwin Suarez. Sorry. Yeah, I believe um, when he first got here, and that was for like money or something like that. Um, and then if you want to count like Fatai Lache and Anibal Godoy going to like you know future, like he, we didn't get money, we didn't get players back. So. Right. Right. Um, yeah, it was. It's it's frustrating to see a lack of moves within MLS. Um, yeah, those transfers with uh, Godoy and uh, Elashi going through expansion drafts. Quakes better prepare for that as well because you have Charlotte, St. Louis, Austin, and Sacramento getting ready to enter the league in the next few years. And granted, they're not doing themselves any favors so far with the roster building anyway. But still. It's something that other MLS clubs seem to be planning for a lot better. Um, And I'll briefly go through the goal scoring summary if I can, because there were seven goals. So started with the Diego Valeri free kick, 25th minute, two minutes later, Ebobisa scored, made 2-0. That's a set piece. Yeah, that was a a problem. Yeah. Is it because we're so short? You guys think that it's because we're short? I think that's a big problem. Yeah. I think Jefferson Quintana was our biggest player and granted he wasn't the best defender, but he was a force in the box for those crosses and those set piece kind of corners or free kicks. And, you know, he was a, he was a guy that could get his head on the ball. I don't like if you were Tanner Beeson, zero aerials one in Colorado, I think. And it's like, yeah, he's a center back. You can't be bossed around if you're a center back and our center backs are just being bossed around all the time. So, yeah, it's a, it's a major, major problem. It's going to be hard to find a uh, center back that's fast and tall. <laughs> that's, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. Flo's not even <laughs> supposed to be center backs. Flo is a, a right. defensive mid. Yeah. He got conscripted to play center back, and he became our best center back. What does that tell you about our lack of depth <laughs> at center back? Yeah, you know, uh, so Flo actually had some brave reviews from Andres Imperiali. He said Flo was the most, the most technical player out there, so – I mean, I guess mm-hmm. he kind of won that role and stick to it because he's, he's, he was good at it, at least there. In the yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So the 2-1 scoreline came through the Carlos Fierro goal, his first goal for the San Jose Earthquakes. It was both Marcos Lopez and Eric Calvillo got credited with an assist there, which is great yeah. to see. Calvillo Fierro, Fierro uh, had a really good game. He had five shots, three on frame, played, uh, played well. He was the only guy that was generating that game. Right. So. Yeah. Shout out to Carlos Fierro. I mean, he's he had he had a miss 
in his second game, but he had a really good first game. So let's not throw him under the bus just yet, the same way we're doing to Andy Rios. <laughs> right, yeah. You know, Val- Valeria made it 3-1 at just uh, after halftime in the 57th minute, and then from there went downhill. Yimmy Chara, 70th minute, yeah. Julio Cascante, 85th minute, and then Jaroslav Nezgoda to put the exclamation point on this if it hadn't already to get the scoreline we have now, 6-1. Yeah, I mean, open the floodgates, right? So once once they're down by two, they just let them in. I mean, they all start getting lazy on their man marking, and then they leave the goalie to dry, really. <laughs> and yeah. I, I mean, here's another thing with the man marking system. It takes a lot of energy, and you can play it for a half. But that second half, that's when the Quakes are surrendering goals. They've surrendered four goals in three of their last seven games right now in that second half. Right. I think players are gassed. And I think the other team knows how to exploit that energy that's required of a man marking system in order to, uh, you know, gas the team. And then when you come out for the second half, you really attack because right. hey, these guys are tired. We're going to be able to get behind them. And I think that's what happened when, with Portland. Mm. All right, and some of the stats from that game, the shot count was 18 to 11 in favor of Portland. Shots on target, 94 in favor of Portland. So Portland scored with 66.6 infinite point uh, percent of their shots, which is scarily clinical, but it was <laughs> deserved. Possession, I don't know how the Quakes keep winning these possession games. I guess they just do nothing with it when they have the ball, but 62% for the Quakes. Um, Passing accuracy, 85% for Quakes, 74% for Portland. Uh, Portland leads chances created 3-2. Quakes had six corners to their five. Both had 12 fouls. Another kind of issue, Quakes had five offsides. So for a team that's not creating a lot of opportunities and who doesn't threaten their opponents that much, and which is also a problem because they're up against an inexperienced goalkeeper, so they only put one pass in is not good enough. You gotta be on side, and that's a training thing. That's mental errors, and th- that's gotta improve. And lastly, think- two to one, uh, Quakes with the yellow cards to Portland's one. Go mm-hmm. ahead, Dan. Sorry. I was gonna say I think uh, Andy Rios had three of those offside calls against him. Yeah, that wouldn't surprise me at all. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, they're probably so tired, right? And they're just making mental lapses because they're getting frustrated. Um, I guess, you know, offsides are a thing that's going to happen if you're tired. If you just don't not looking straight, you're not paying attention. Yeah. Um, and, you know, like I said, you know, once, once you're down, you're going to start pushing the attack a little bit more, which is going to set you up for that counterattack even, right. you know, it's going to be a lot more potent. Um, so I think, you know, it, it's almost adding fuel to the fire when you're trying to yeah. close that gap. And then you have a man marking system where, uh, you know, it's, you can get behind our players pretty quickly on the counter. And then, right. yeah, so but it's my, like a perfect storm. My whole thing about the possession is they, ne- they don't really pass the ball forward. It, a lot of it's going back to kind of pass it around. And, and unfortunately, they're not quick enough to actually shift the defense at all. So it's like, okay, well. Baco has the ball. Okay, the ball goes to Marco Lopez. Okay, the ball now is going to Florian Youngberth and then Tanner Beeson. Okay, now it's going to Utah. <laughs> now Tanner Beeson. It's like, oh, man, you don't even hear – you don't even hear any Rios get the ball once. I mean, Yule's so far back that no one's forward. And I don't know. I think it looks a lot like a near ball when they have the ball, and that's not good at all. No. Yeah, I was about to say that's Dom Kinnear ball right there, right? Yeah. Like, 
send it to the back and then hope something happens. Right. <laughs> on our bad pitch or something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, speaking of the pitch. Well, I mean, it's played well recently, but. I, I'm always wondering how do we have such a bad pitch? And I guess a lot of it has to do with the irrigation. I read that the irrigation I don't know. isn't set up for, they, they had to build the stadium higher and then John Fisher or yeah, Fisher wanted to go ahead and, and cheap out. So he didn't build it higher. So that's why it breaks all the time. I think I heard that somewhere. I forgot. I'm sorry if I'm, I, yeah. yeah, if I'm breaking out someone's stuff and not giving them credit, but yeah, I was like, why is our pitch so bad all the time? I remember there was a couple of, of people saying our pitch is so bad, but it was because the rugby was sevens were played on it and it's still happening. So that was back when the stadium first was open. They were like, Oh, they're practicing sevens out here. or They're having games of sevens and the pitch is so bad because of it. But I mean, we're still seeing those problems now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So at the end of covering each game, we do our one stud, one dead <laughs> segment that we borrowed from quakes after 90. Yeah. Uh, I'll start <laughs> things off. We, Ari gave uh, Fierro some praise, and Lopez has definitely gotten his dues. I do want to use this to give a bit of a spotlight to Eric Calvillo. He's one of the few – I say this for a couple players, so maybe there's a, more than a few bright spots, but this feels like a player that he see, he's seeing his opportunities increase, and he's playing better with each game. And I am very proud to see him continue to hopefully move his way up in the depth chart. And if there's to be a roster blow up at some point in the near future, hopefully Calvillo is one that sticks around. And then my dad would be Shea Salinas. His handball turned into a penalty that started the snowball effect. And I feel like at this point of his career, he's got to be just a option off the bench even when he's being rotated in, it doesn't seem like he's a start and play 70 minutes type of player anymore. And it's another situation where like Wando has been completely boxed into the super sub role, even when he's playing better than the starter. Salinas should still be that super sub. Right. I agree. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Sorry, Dan, go ahead. <laughs> I was going to, I was going to say like, I, I, Shay Salinas, I, I, I'm going to defend a little bit here. He had a really bad game. That was the first bad game I've seen him have in a couple of years as a starter. I'll say as a starter. Uh, remember when the Quakes went on that tear uh, in uh, April, May, June, uh, kind of July, um, where they're like, you know, he was a regular starter. And then um, it's, when they, it's when they took Shay out of the lineup. That's when they had that crash out of the 2019 uh, playoff race, you know, and uh, Shea was getting assists. He was actually, you know, uh, generating opportunities. Um, so I'm not defending his his pre his last game, which was really, you know, a, a, a very bad, un, uncharacteristic Shea Salinas performance. I, I think that he, he's probably, you know, he's an older player. He definitely can't go 90 anymore. I wouldn't mind seeing him uh, off the bench, but I think uh, it's a, it's a little. Um, I, I want to say, um, you know, one game shouldn't shouldn't define Shea as a player right. going forward, I think, you know. Um, yeah. Think, yeah. yeah and Maybe my, I was a bit harsh. Sorry. Go ahead, Bobby. No worries. No worries. And my, and my stud was probably Fierro. And then yeah. my dud was um, Shea Salinas. Unfortunately, he had a bad game. Marcos Lopez was, was good as well. So give him a little praise as well. Yeah. yeah. It's unfortunate that Marcos Lopez continues to have these uh, – 
bad score lines stamped on his CV, but he continues to get praise for his efforts. And, you know, just because you're in a defense that concedes so much goals almost every game, it feels like, doesn't necessarily mean that every defender it should be treated equally in terms of the blame. But, yeah, we'll see. Hopefully, Marcos Lopez continues to offer something, and he's been pretty good on both ends of the field. Well, a little bit of good news, he got called up to the Peruvian international squad. So that's huge. That's huge. Um, he right. Got, he got on to the Peruvian's um, national team squad. Yeah, he's he's been a national team member for a while now. So Okay. So at yeah. least we know that his – Performances aren't ruining his uh, his national team. Yeah, game. yeah. Well, it helps you know playing left back. That's a you know <laughs> that's one of the few positions that we don't have a lot of left footed players that want to play like a defensive role. So finding right. a good left back is that's why Demarcus Beasley, right? He's a U.S. Mm-hmm. Men's National Team member who was playing left back for 15 years or something because you know, <laughs> yeah. nobody could find a replacement for him. <laughs> Finally, I think DeAndre Yedlin is like, okay, I'll I'll take over for you, but. Like that's a, that's a long career because that's right. such a, uh, a, that's a position that you don't have a lot of talent to, uh, out there to, yeah. to, to use. Yeah. Right. So before we go into the Colorado game, we want to talk a little bit about your fan poll, Dan. It, you posted it on the quick subreddit, you created oh, yeah. mm-hmm. it, cataloged the results and you got 103 responses. So I feel like this is a reasonable sample size to gauge the opinion yeah. And do you want to talk about some of the points that were most interesting for you? Um, well, let's, let's just go over the number of responses, 103. That's like a hundred less than any other poll I've done before. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. So normally it's in the 200s to 300s. So when you see only a hundred responses, I think that goes to show that the fan base is, is disinterested in the team and maybe they're, you know, you have loyal fans that are going to stick around, um, you know, till the bitter end and support the team no matter what, like what we're doing. Um, but I think for the casual fan and things like that, it's, it kind of goes to show that um, the, the, there's a lack of interest in San Jose Earthquake soccer right now as it pertains to the team and things like that. People just don't care because wow. they, yeah. So I just want to put that out there as another statistic that the fan poll might be indicating, right? The, the lack of uh, responses this time around. That's crazy because, I mean, you would always do these on your podcast and it always seemed like it was, I guess, darker days. But, I mean, I guess there was a lot more fans then. So, it's the – There great, were, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's crazy to think we have this, you know, Ferrari-type coach where we should get a lot of interest and we, you know, a brand-new coach and – not brand-new anymore, but he should have a lot of interest and a lot of fans coming in. But I feel like a lot of people have abandoned us. So, Daniel yeah. and, and – Let's get into it. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, Wando, I, I think we're all in agreement that he should be back considering this season was such a wash. And uh, mm-hmm. we don't want to see him right. go out like that. I don't know. Are you guys in agreement with that one? Yeah, I, I voted yes on this. I think he yeah. he definitely should come back. And, uh, I mean, Bradley Brett Phillips is on terror right now. So that – Yeah, I mean – I mean, we need to score. We he need had a hat trick. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm every day I'm worried more and more about that goal record. And he looks in good shape. I mean, I don't see him he, – he seems like he has more energy than Andy Rios. So, he should definitely be out there a lot more And another year. Call me crazy. He's still the team's leading goal scorer. Right. right now. No, I, 37. that's pretty accurate, yeah. So, I mean, if you're the team's leading goal scorer, that either tells you, you know, 
that you still got gas in the tank or the, the supporting cast is just really bad. So, you know, or both. I, I'd love to, yeah, or both. Yeah. But if he can still play, I mean, just, I'd say give him one more season, at least a season off the bench um, to, you know, go out. So he doesn't have to go out like this. Uh, starting goalkeeper. JT Marcinkowski was the overwhelming favorite. 84% of fans want to see JT Marcinkowski. Uh, are we in agreement with that one? Yeah, it's a small sample size, but it's hard to not look at the numbers. When you're playing so badly, you have to analyze every detail. And just from the optics, Marcinkowski plays once. It's a 1-1 draw against Portland. Vega plays every other game, and the Quakes have lost six times at least, maybe seven, I don't know, by four or more goals. That's just yes. depressing. Yeah. So, Yeah, they've lost six times, uh, four or more goals, counting the Minnesota. Uh, mm-hmm. They've surrendered five or more goals five times. So, right. Um, yeah, it's been pretty brutal. And, yeah, I'm not going to – they had two wins in – um in orlando they they won four to three i believe it was so they gave up a three goal performance in one of their wins and they've had two shutouts one was chicago um who's not a very good team um i think it was chicago yes uh, in orlando and Mm -hmm. um the other was the uh the nil nil uh, against sounders yeah so um, you guys um do you guys think that he's not putting JT out there so he doesn't kind of get these blows at him. I mean, I think at this point we're kind of looking at, yeah, put Vega out there because we don't want to hurt JT's development because we don't want seven goals to go in on him and him losing all his confidence. Right, but Uh, unfortunately that's not luxury anymore. I think you have to give the player who played well in his one opportunity at least another one. And if JT gets five or six past him, then maybe – it's not just a Vega thing. It's a bigger like team situation. Right. Yeah. I think, I think if JT gets more minutes, we'll see. And if, if the Quakes are surrendering less goals with JT in goal, then you, you have a clear choice there, but yeah, you're never going to know unless he gets more, more, right. more minutes out there. Mm-hmm. I also think JT, you know, he's a, he's a U23 uh U.S. Men's National Team U23 member. It's not like he's a bad or, or a, a, a prospect that we're unsure of. You know, he's a proven goalkeeper. He, he did well in Reno. So I don't understand why he's getting the bench over uh, Daniel Vega at this point, especially when we've seen, you know, Vega giving up some pretty bad goals. Um, I mean, mm-hmm. he makes some great saves sometimes, uh, but he does give up rebounds and things like that too. So I, I'd like mm-hmm. to see JT just get a shot, you know. Yeah. So, so we have, go ahead. Mm-hmm. I was going to say like player ratings, um, Osvaldo Alanis. Um, so what I did, uh, I, I kind of gave a numerical value for these guys. Um, you know, three is average, three and four is good. Good four and five is great. Osvaldo Alanis, um, Mexican center back. He got an average of about 3.7. I thought that was pretty fair. He's been a decent player, but he's, he got injured. So right. uh, we haven't been able to use him. Um, Christian Espinoza is probably um, the fans think that he's our most valuable player. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Yeah. Hands down. I mean, if we don't make a profit on him, then we, we did a horrible job. Yeah. yeah. His evaluation in that poll, it was evenly split between split between being a good and a great player. So yeah. that tells you all you need to know about Christian Espinoza that 
talent-wise, he's a player that Quakes desperately need. Yeah, and I, he should be the player that we're building a team around at this point, you know. Yeah, you, um, I saw something from Wando the last game versus Colorado. He got livid at Espinoza when when there was a rebound and Espinoza was just walking. So I hope that lights a fire ooh, under Espinoza, yeah. like under I mean uh, under his butt. I mean, but it was crazy. There was there was a rebound where Espinoza, if he was going towards the ball or at least being there, he could at least put a shot on goal. Yeah. Well, yeah, Wando's just that intense guy. You know, he's intense the way he plays. He's intense with his teammates. You see it on the pitch. Right. The funny thing is once that final whistle blows, he's like the nicest guy, you know, and he's <laughs> – I don't know I don't know what happens between the, you know, the time the ref blows his whistle and the final whistle that he turns into like this animal. But it's one of the reasons why he's such a great player too. Right. That winner mentality for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Judson got an average of a 3.6, you know, somewhere between average and good. Wow. Um, it's pretty yeah. high. Yeah. That was higher I was, than I would have expected. I was not expecting Judson to be rated so high. I consider him more of a, a bust at this point, especially mm-hmm. since he's been on the pitch for all of the uh, blowouts um, so right. far. Mm-hmm. And so, that's pretty close to Alanis. So that's very yeah. close to Alanis. And Alanis was a starter at Chivas, right? I mean, I didn't mm-hmm. think he was at some some point. Yeah, I believe so. It's funny to see all these like kind of skews. I mean, I guess this is this is the narrative right here we're seeing. You'd say it's not his fault. So I think it's weird. I think a lot of a lot of Quakes fans don't think it's the midfield's fault when it it kind of is. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah, it's and we don't. I, I think we see a player like Jackson Yule, who's a U.S. Men's National Team member, and uh, we're like, well, what's wrong with our midfield? Well, we don't want to like. To, we don't want to bring down the value of Jackson Yule, right? Right. Because we want to see him stay in that national kind of team talk. So right. uh, I think if, if we're like, if we're, we're, we're kind of steering the, the spotlight away from our midfield a little bit or like not trying to highlight specific players or things like that, then, you know, certain players might not be their Their stock might not go down as much. So. Right. But I think we can all be in agreement that he has regressed a bit in the system. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Flo is almost a four. He got a 3.8 rating from fans. Mm-hmm. I think that was pretty fair. I think, um, yeah. you know, Flo, he's, he's not the best center back, but he was never supposed to be a center back, but he's, a, he's the best one on our team. Yeah, it's kind of great. Yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely, this not, a, definitely not a flop, right? No. Goran Kashia got below a three, so more fans rate him as bad than good. I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That is pretty interesting because, I mean, he's a presence in the box, and that's what we need. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I think right. Yutsen gets a little bit of a pass while Garam should get a little more love, personally. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I think both deserve equal blame because I see them at fault for a lot of goals. It's a pretty close race in my opinion. But uh, Kasia is – one of those players that he's going to see minutes because you need some big body in there to defend those crosses. The problem is not the cro- initial crosses, I think, with Kasia. It's reacting to the second balls. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a great point. You know, like, cause Vega does, does uh, give up some of those rebounds and you need someone to, to pl- almost play that sweeper role. Right. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. To get that ball out of there. And yeah, Kasia, who's not the, 
most fleet of foot and getting those clearances out. Hmm. Um, uh, Nick Lima got a lot of love. He averaged, I think, three nine. Oh wow! Oh wow! Um, yeah, three three point eight five. So 3.9, uh, really high. Uh, Marcos Lopez. So this is kind of interesting. Marcos Lopez got a three point three rating. Wow. Okay. Uh, from fans, yeah. Homegrown bias, you guys think? Yeah, Nick Lima, uh, Castro Valley. Yeah. <laughs> Lima over Lopez, yeah. I think we can, um, all three of us can say, though, that Marco Lopez is the better player, right? right I think now, it's a yes. toss-up, yeah. yeah. I think I think Lima, at left back, I would say I'd rather have Lopez back at, uh, than Lima. But I think Lima, um, I th- yeah, I think he's a better right-back option. I think Tommy's more of a mover of the ball, not a defender of the ball. Yeah, so, yeah right. definitely. Uh, Paul Marie got uh, a low rating. He got a 2.8 rating, which is just below uh, Gorm Kasia. Paul Marie, you know, French uh, U16 team member. Yeah, I think. Yeah, Paul Marie. I don't see. I think he's. Uh, let's see. He's 25 years old, so he's not a prospect. Like, not even Tanner Beeson's technically a prospect because he came out of college. So he's already like 22, but like, wow. he's not Gilbert Fuentes. He's not Jacob Akanyarije. He's 25 years old. He should be getting to his peak soon, and. Unfortunately, when he does see significant game time, he just shows us why he hadn't prior to that point. He's yeah, and definitely a squad player. Let's not forget, this was a Joe, Jesse Fiorinelli first-round draft pick, Paul Marie. Uh, Paul Marie wasn't even on the board for other teams, and uh, Joe, Jesse Fiorinelli saw something in Paul Marie. He probably could have got him in like the second or third round, but he decided to use the first round draft pick on Paul Murray instead. And it's been kind of a draft bust. Uh, yeah. I mean, who else do you guys know who else was in this draft? What year it was? Uh, I can't remember. It's the 26. I'll pull it up right now. The 2016 yeah. draft. There has to be some other. I, I forget. Yeah. It was the 2018 draft actually. Oh, it was 2018. Okay. I didn't really yes. that old. Yeah. So let's see. We got players like Joao Moutinho, not the Wolves one, obviously the LAFC one, wow, the defender. Tristan Blackman, Chris Mueller, oh, wow. Mason yeah. Toy. Brandon Chris Mueller was in that draft? Yeah, Chris Mueller. The Orlando player? Wow, yeah. he's, and he's really good. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. he's turned that team around. Ivan, did these yeah. you guys go after Paul Marie? These were all bef- – oh, these were before, sorry. Oh, those were uh, – okay. Yeah. Makes sense. So, <laughs> there's not too many good ones that came after Paul Marie that I think of, at least in the first round. But the one big miss, and we'll get to this later in the poll, was in the second round, Danny Mazowski. Oh, Ooh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Would you think yeah. he, he's better than Paul Marie? I guess. Yeah. LAFC, yeah. I mean, I mean when you score on your the team that passed you by, yeah, I mean – Mm-hmm. And the fact that Ian Russell, rumor has it, I, I don't know for sure. This was the rumor that was posted on Reddit. Um, I think they're referencing Black and Azul um, that said Ian Russell was basically saying, yeah, this guy, Danny Muzowski, is really good. And he tore up the, the USL last year, and the Quakes didn't want to resign him. And so he goes to LAFC, and it looks like he's got a great career ahead of him. You know, young, young striker that can, you know, move and keep up with MLS quality and we we let them slip through our fingers so. right i mean wouldn't it be great to have a player like that right now <laughs> i know yeah yeah uh, andy andy rios got a 2.1 rating he was the lowest Ooh. rated player mm-hmm. I, fair right i mean 
Your yeah, fair. Out, man, like show effort at least. Especially when you're being paid a quarter of a million dollars um, to play this game, you know, uh, he has not produced um, nearly, he has not shown any type of return on that kind of money. Yeah, his only goal in recent memory, uh, it was that kind of fluky one he scored against Vancouver Whitecaps. Thank goodness he scored it because obviously they needed it to mount that 4-3 <laughs> comeback. But yeah, yeah that was it a- was... Definitely a very fortuitous one, and it just sums up Andy Rios's career in a Quakes shirt. Yeah. Yeah. Shake. Yeah. Oh, sorry. No worries, no worries. I mean, it's crazy. He played at Vasco da Gama, so that's a huge club. And, mm-hmm. I mean, and he scored. So, or he scored 15 times. Um, where is this guy? I mean, where is he at? He played at River, t- too, as well. With eight I want, is, it a, is it a system, just a system issue, that he just can't fit into this um, – man marking system that Almeida is trying to employ and he just well, the, you know, we're not we're not playing to his strengths they brought him in I mean so <laughs> I would hope uh, yeah I just don't think he, even he knows what his strengths are anymore because he's had so many bad games in a row he just can't even sneeze in the direction of a goal <laughs> I mean he played the guys let's let's not kid he played for Club America I mean yeah, I mean, this guy has some sort of talent. He has pedigree, yeah. yeah. He does uh, have right. pedigree. Yeah, but, you know, you're, it's a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately kind of sport. Jolington yeah, scored a bunch of goals before he went to Newcastle, and now he looks like one of the worst players in the Premier League. Yeah. It reminds me of a Giovanni, the Quakes' first designated player. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, they bring in Giovanni, and Giovanni doesn't do anything, and it's kind of like, weren't you supposed to help the team? And didn't really – he just – his heart wasn't there. Yeah, the only, reason yeah. I, the only reason I remember Giovanni is because he was one of the few Quakes players that had the commentary say his name in FIFA 11. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, like the guys at the Quakes After 90 podcast said, um, the, I mean, there has to be something that they saw in this guy or he wasn't their first option. So maybe it was their third or fourth option to bring in, and they were like, okay, yeah. well, we're going to bring in – Fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, yeah. I don't know. I don't I, – again – I wish I, I wish I saw those preseason games where he was popping off goals like crazy. But mm-hmm. I mean, did Dan? Did you see any of those goals? I mean, were there any highlights of them? No, that's the thing is they wouldn't tell. Like Matias Almeida would not let anybody see these preseason games or anything. So, um, what happens in preseason is a mystery, a complete mystery. Um, so we can't really judge what happened in preseason because everything was closed. Right. Mm-hmm. Another kind of frustrating thing for me as a fan is not being able to see preseason games because Matias doesn't want to give too much of his man-marking system away. Well, I think it's been figured out at this point. So. Yeah. Right. Lack of transparency. Yeah. So why not be able to open up the doors and kind of let fans see what's happening in preseason? Yeah. Shea Salinas got a four. Okay. Wow. <laughs> a little high. This was, before, this was before the blowout, yeah. the Portland blowout, by the way. So. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, great but, stellar player. I mean, he's going to be a Quakes legend, but a four yeah. might be a little too high in. Yeah, yeah. I love Chase set, Salinas as a Quakes player. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's about to set the assist leader. Uh, right, the he's Quakes one of the oh. assist leader. Yeah, I think okay. it's Arturo Alvarez. That I, I, I'm trying to remember the Quakes player that has the most assists right now. I'll um, look that up. Yeah, I believe I believe it is. I, I think that was the quote that um, uh, Passarelli said. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. Uh, anyway. 
I'll find it and then I'll get back to you. I feel like um, Joe Rogan just like, can you check that fact? Can you check that? Right, yeah. <laughs> uh, so it's uh, Ronald Cerritos. He oh, has Cerritos? Oh, wow. Fits. Okay, yeah. wow. Chase Man, Salinas Cerritos. has 46. Okay. And then Chris Wondolowski is fourth with 39. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, it's, the crazy thing is Cerritos was actually the, the team's leading goal scorer too before Wando took that over. Oh, wow. So Cerritos yeah. led the team in both goals and assists. They had the record for both. Um, mm-hmm. at one point yeah 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 i remember the goal scoring i don't remember assists so much so <laughs> yeah 70 caps for el salvador yeah i mean talk about a great player um tommy got a 3.6 which is okay. know, a little bit above average vaco got a 3.3 which is about what? average okay okay what do you guys think of that yeah, I think maybe they should be swapped, but I feel like it's a mixed bag with both of them. We've seen some good stuff from Tom Thompson and Vaco this year, and then we've seen some games where they're just completely ineffective. Yeah. Um, Vaco, for me, he dribbles into trouble all the time. He's not afraid to shoot from 20, 25 yards out when he could be looking you know, to his right or to his left or something like that. Um, he is reluctant to pass in general. Uh, he does, you know, dribble the ball, but he doesn't get back on defense. I think Shea gets back on defense. Yeah. Shea's not afraid to pass. I think, you know, those just kind of identifying some of the differences between Shea and Vaco. Right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. What, you know, this is going to sound really, really dumb, but why haven't we just tried him at striker? That sounds like a great striker. <laughs> at Vaco? I think because wow. he's maybe, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, there have been like, five foot five strikers before right so, and don't even care yeah. about height so why not just try it out there i mean he's gonna cut yeah and put him in the middle i mean maybe he'll get a left foot shot and a right foot shot who knows yeah who knows yeah, yeah. i mean at this point in the season you might as well just experiment and see what works and what doesn't okay daniel vega 2.1 average yeah so he was just a little bit he had rios had a 2.12 daniel vega has a 2.15 mm-hmm. so um, yeah. Not a lot of fans happy with Daniel Vega. Um, yeah, not much more to say at this point. Yeah, I don't think he. I, I don't think he should have ever been starting in MLS, to be honest. So, and why mm-hmm. Matias Almeida keeps going to Vega is a mystery to me. So, mm-hmm. Wando got a four point zero five, so basically a four point one. Okay. Wow. Who voted? Yeah. Who voted not for a five on Wando? That's I. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. On current Maybe form. Because, yeah. Yeah, on his current form. Uh, not like you know, as a you know a career, but how do you see him today as a player? So, um, and then you know, Jackson Yule, uh, four point four. He was the second highest. Oh, okay, that that's a homegrown bias for sure. Or, uh, at least, yeah. a, at least a wow, that one's high. That is really high. I've been really critical of Yule, but that's pretty high. Yeah, right. it is pretty high. Um, you know, you do have he's a U.S. Men's National Team member, right? So. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Lima, right? He was a national team member. I think he's still trying to get on that national team, um, maybe, you know, for future call-ups if he can get his, his act together. But I don't know. We'll see. Was well, that yeah, I think, you know, I'm sorry? Was Yule the highest? Uh, no. Espinosa was the highest. Yule was the second highest. Right. So Espinosa had a 4.47. Yule had a 4.39 mm. uh, overall rating. So. I mean, I guess it's the highest ceiling, guys, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of a lot of potential with you all. Yeah. Yeah, these are some of the interesting ones coming up, the mistakes or not mistakes, depending on the answers. Yeah. 
So um, I, I, I limited the, the questions to kind of like recent signings and things like that. Um, but I did want to like address the VACO because VACO, you know, the team kind of rises and falls with VACO. Did Jesse Fiorelli make a mistake by trying to build the team around VACO? I uh, remember Vaca's being paid 1.5 million a year. He's a big, um, uh, he's on this, the Quakes dole, so to speak. He's taken a lot of money from the team. 80% nearly said it was a mistake to try to build the team around Vaco. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Cause if you build the team around the player, you expect the team to have some sort of resurgence and that just hasn't happened. There's no doubt Vaco mm -hmm. has talent, but maybe he's meant to be a supporting player rather than a star player. This, this one's tough for me. I, I like Vaco a lot as a player. I think at points you, you do have to be selfish. And, and if this team is performing the way it is, I would be selfish too. I would just be trying to get some sort of goals in no matter how I can. Right. Yeah. Or, you know, I, I think with, I don't know. I think Vaco maybe has like that superstar mentality, right? Like right. I'm getting paid the money. I don't need to do as much work as you guys or something like that. I don't know. So um, it's, it's at a, I mean, but think about it. If you have Andy Rios not making any runs for you to at least see something to go ahead and pass the ball. I mean, I wouldn't pass the ball if he's just standing there. <laughs> so I get it at some point, and but then it just sucks because I think he takes a lot of the blame, and he's like he's a goal scorer. He scored twenty six goals for us, so I don't think it was a complete bust. Uh, Vaco, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't say he was a bust, but he hasn't lived up to expectations. No, he's he hasn't lived up to especially the amount of money he's making. Yeah, right. Like yeah. Okay, uh, Caleb Porter. So I threw this one in because. Um, there was a kind of a coaching carousel that was going on. So you got Dom Kinnear, who is the coach, when Jesse Fiorinelli comes in. He fires Dom Kinnear midseason. Keep in mind the Quakes are above the playoff line at this point. They're like number six, I think. So he fires um, Dom Kinnear, appoints Chris Leach, not as the interim head coach, but as the acting head coach. So kind of an unusual move to appoint someone as the full-time head coach. Chris Leach doesn't do too well in the, in the away games. The Dallas falls off. The Quakes kind of limp into the playoffs. They get beaten 5-1, to one, I think it was, at Vancouver. Yep. Um, mm -hmm. And so um, bring in Mika Stare. Mika Stare comes in, and the next season, 2018, it's, a, it's the wooden spoon fiasco, right? Yeah. And um, mm -hmm. at, at this point, you know, you, you let go of Mika Stare, and there is a MLS Western, two-time Western Division championship coach, and a Supporter Shield winning coach and an MLS championship winning coach waiting to be hired, waiting for a job. Right. And we don't pursue Caleb Porter. And I'm kind of like, that was a head scratcher for me. Uh, like, why wouldn't we go after this guy, especially when Matias Almeida wasn't even on the radar? Right. Um, mm -hmm. Because we, we remember we had that whole, we're going to get a committee together. We're going to yeah. look at our different options and things like that. So I asked, was it a mistake? Now, here's the crazy thing. So I think it was a huge mistake not to try to approach Caleb Porter or hire him. Like, I don't even think he was on Jesse Fiorinelli's radar, but 55% of people think we sh that was, it was a good move by Jesse Fiorinelli not to hire Caleb Porter. Oh, wow. Yeah. My only, yeah. my only rationale behind this is Caleb Porter was a Portland head coach 
and Portland is, you know, a, a rival of San Jose, so to speak. But I don't care what his record was with another team. If you can do that same, make, work that same magic in San Jose, like, I don't care where you've been. Yeah. Come on over and, and you know, make us into contenders. So. Right. You guys remember why Caleb Porter left Portland? Because I remember they were – He was let go. Yeah, they were still making the playoffs. I mean, he yeah. was two-time winning coach. There has to have been something behind closed doors. I always I don't know what – Anomaly that he didn't have a job anymore. Yeah. No, he was – I think because they didn't win, like, three cups in a row or something like that, or because uh, he lost a couple MLS championship cups, uh, they decided, oh, okay, well, we got the talent, but obviously this coach – it's almost like um, Jim Harbaugh, right? Jim Harbaugh gets you to the Super Bowl, but – you're not winning it, so we're going to fire you. It's like, no, you don't get rid of a good coach just because you're not winning you the ultimate game. But yeah. I think that's what they did in Portland. Wow. And so, yeah. like, Yeah. I, so I kind of understand. I think I was one of the people that voted for it was a bad move just because on Jesse Fiorinelli got the big fish. So the big fish. Yeah, it, tur- it turned out okay, so to speak, with Matias Almeida and – like he has, he's definitely a bigger name, right? I'm uh, oh, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, 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 no worries. And then that create, I, I was thinking that created some sort of buzz. If we weren't in another wooden spoon season, we would have a lot more buzz, a lot more ticket sales, a lot more merchandise, you know, a lot more national games. But it just failed due to the fact of the roster. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Jesse Fiorinelli signing Andy Rios mistake. 83% say yes, that was a huge mistake. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 17% saying it wasn't a mistake. Now, keep in mind, there's usually a few people that take these polls and just, like, you know, put in all the wrong answers on purpose. So I would <laughs> yeah, say that. Yeah, really. <laughs> right? You know, the Quakes poll is trolls. I mean, that's kind of weird. Uh, yeah, the Quakes, Quakes fan base has trolls. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Those darn Galaxy fans sneaking into our <laughs> subreddit. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Carlos right. Fierro, was it a mistake signing Carlos Fierro? 71% said it was. Wow. So mm. that's like almost three-fourths of the of the whole fa- or sample size. Yeah. Is yeah. Thrown away. Yep. Bro, mm-hmm. We haven't even seen that much of him. That's crazy. Yep. Yeah, so. I think that's why he's viewed so unfavorably because he was expected to play a lot more often than he did, even though at the time you have Espinoza and Vaco on either wing. So that does limit opportunities, but still. My whole thing about this signing is where do you put him? I mean, <laughs> there's only so many wingers we need, right? We, we have Espinoza on one side and Vaco on the other. I think if you're going to bring in a guy like Fierro, he should have a starting spot, but unfortunately he doesn't. Yeah. So that was, that was kind of a question like, okay, where does he fit in? You either got to get rid of Vaco, you got to get rid of Espinoza. Right. Are both and those are, <laughs> and those are two guys that were already on the roster before you brought them in. So mm-hmm. that was an odd. I mean, I, I saw some people clamoring for him to be at like the, the central um, attacking midfielder. So that I was like, what? I've never seen that before. But I mean, we could. I mean, at this point, experiment, right? Why not? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, um, what do you guys want? Like, what's your – all right, let's just, let's just do this. What's your guys' preferred 11? Like, Dan, what would you want to see out there? Uh, counting injured players or no? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's say um, so, perfect world, what would you want to see? So if I could have Alanis and Flo as our two center backs, I'd like to see Lima at the right back. I'd like to see Lopez at the left back. 
I think Tommy is a good option off the bench, but if we're looking for an attack, um, if we're going to have Fierro and Espinoza playing the wings, I think that that'd be a good set. I'd like to see Yudsen um, on off the bench. Um, I'd like to see Yule on as the number six uh, single pivot uh, as that, as a number 10 player, uh, middle attacking midfielder, um, maybe Tommy. Okay. Uh, Cause I, he's really good on the ball, believe it or not. Yeah. Um, he can't shoot, uh, but he can, he can dribble like, and he's really good at getting back on defense. So maybe having Tommy um, and then up top, uh, I, I just don't see Andy Rios uh, on at this point. I'd rather see either a Danny Hoosen or Chris Wondolowski up there. Um, so maybe pair them both up. <laughs> Yeah, uh, if you're not if you're gonna play like uh, if you're gonna play one a, a single pivot with three midfielders and two forwards, yeah, like uh, Chris Wondolowski, Danny Hoosen pairing up top. Yeah, I all right. Hoosen is the nine and Wando is the eleven. All right, and for my eleven, I put Marcinkowski, Lima. Oh yeah, and JT. Yeah, so Marcinkowski, Lima, Alanis, Youngworth. Lopez, and then in midfield, you need to have some defensive midfield, so just hoping that we can see the old Judson again, maybe Judson, and then along with that, in midfield, uh, Thompson and Yule, and then Wings, still, I want to see Espinosa and Cowell, and then Wondolowski as a striker. Yeah, I mean, so I guess I guess everybody here is is off the Vaco train already, like already writing him off. Um, I I think he still has something in him. I don't know why. I might be a Vaco apologist. Uh, like, you can come off the bench. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, but I would like the same the same back five that you guys all have the same. Mm-hmm. And, and um, I like I want to see Yudsin and Yule in the middle. Um, and then I want to see I want to see Vaco out there on the left, and then. Uh, Espinosa on the right, and I want to see Huzin and Cal up top. I think. Okay. I think I think Cal could be a good striker. I don't know why. I I, I just he's such a unique body type at sixteen that I think it could it could work. Um, that and- that kid is so fast. I mean, it is. He's got wheels. He's got pace, and I think you know the sky's the limit because he's just going to keep getting faster. Right. So mm-hmm. yeah, Cade Cowell. Yeah, at this point, why not put him up, put him on, and but you know, hold on to him. You know, don't let another team buy him from you. <laughs> and then Fierro uh, at the ten. So I, I want, I want to see yeah. some experimenting. I, I want to see something, right? Right. Especially our attack. I mean, our attack can definitely be experimented with. Oh yeah, yeah. All right, I we think, got a I few think... more of these uh, questions. I know that this has been a good conversation, but we do have a few other topics to get to. So. Yeah. So Danny Mazowski letting him slip through our fingers. 55% of fans think it was a mistake to let him slip through our fingers, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought it'd be higher because he came so highly touted from Ian Russell mm-hmm. and Reno mm-hmm. and he scored against us in uh, LAFC. So um, interesting non-signing there that we could have had. Um, Steven Betashore was on the market. Um, we didn't go after Beta. Uh, 69% of fans thinking that was a mistake. Uh, mm-hmm. Beta just signed with Colorado uh, a couple weeks ago or maybe last week. So. so 
that means that a lot of the Quakes loyals that are that took your quiz have been here since 2012. If 70% uh, of them have yeah. said that they want Vedasher back, then they've definitely been here for a while. In fact, I would say a lot of the loyals are the ones that were around the you know the 2000 era, the 0103 Cup, the 05 Supporter Shield, saw yep. the team leave. The team comes back, and now they're trying their hardest to make sure that the team stays, right? So right. they don't want to mm -hmm. see their team tank and potentially, you know, get I, I don't think the MLS would ever kick the, a team right. out of the league at this point. But if you're stinking up the league, like, there's, there's who's to say that MLS won't try to move your club somewhere else where they're going to get much more of a return on their dollar uh, because, you know, so the fans are. Go ahead, Dan. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, I'm just saying, like, it, it's, it's, it'd, be, it, it'd be reliving the nightmare all over again yeah. to have your team move. So. Mm -hmm. It's crazy to think that uh, no Bay Area team in a major sport, like a major sport in the United States, would be insane. And I think I think mm -hmm. I think Fisher knows that. I think he knows that I, they're not going to kick him out because he has the Bay Area in his pocket. So yeah, well, with Sacramento coming in, who knows? So right, like I think actually Sacramento will probably be good for San Jose. Uh, it's going to set up that rivalry, the NorCal rivalry. Yeah. Um, so we mm -hmm. call it the, the Derby, if you want to call it the Derby, you know, the yeah. I-80 Derby or whatever. You, I don't know. Um, <laughs> that's that's the Reno-Sacramento rivalry right yeah. now. But, <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, so uh, do we want to talk any more about uh, Beta or move on? We're going to uh, move on to the last few, I think. Okay, yeah. Uh, yeah. Should Jesse Fiorinelli be fired? Now, keep in mind, this was before <clears throat> the 5 nothing loss to Colorado. 61% mm -hmm. uh, believe Fiorinelli should be let go. 39% mm -hmm. want him to stay. Matias Almeida should be fired. New coach should be appointed. 85% um, said, nope, uh, keep Matias Almeida. Okay. And 15% said, um, yeah, we need to replace him. Okay. Yeah, and, and uh, some of the notable names I saw in the final question, if a male would be replaced, who should step in? The most common response by far was Ian Russell, the coach at Reno. And then yep. a few other notable responses were Preki, the Sounders assistant, Ante Rezov, yep. who is an LAFC assistant, John Harks, who coaches Greenville Triumph in USL League, League One, and Rick Shantz, who coaches Phoenix Rising in the USL. Yeah, so those were, I thought, domestic coaches. In fact, mm -hmm. one guy... One guy, his response was, these make it sound like you're Jesse Fiorinelli. And I'm like, dude, Jesse Fiorinelli doesn't know one thing about domestic coaches or domestic players. And I just named all domestic coaches. What are you talking about? So, like, <laughs> he's like, if, if there's anything, Jesse Fiorinelli knows international, but he doesn't know, like, local. So, um, the fact that I named all kind of, like, local coaches that were either in MLS or in USL um, was kind of funny. Um, but yeah, I try to like just give a list of potential candidates that uh, guys that might make the jump or should make the jump. Obviously, Ian Russell is the uh, he's he's probably the front runner with his. Mm -hmm. uh, he was a former player, you know. He's a coach in Reno. He knows the system. Um, in I, with Chris Leach, knows yeah. the knows the crop of players that we have. I I do believe that whenever this Almeida experiment ends, we should give Ian Russell a shot because then. If no matter what coach ever looks at us, if you get 
a good you know good results in USL, you can't go up to the big leagues. That's going to look poorly on our organization. I think yeah, you should definitely give him a shot once this partnership ends. I think I think Ian Russell's going to get snatched up next year. Oh yeah, um, yeah. I mean Reno, he's he's made Reno, and they're an expansion team. Like what two or three years ago, he's right. made him into like a legit. Uh, you know they're Power. they're one of the yeah powerhouses of USL. They're they're really good, and you know they they score a ton of goals. Right. And he's he identifies players like Danny Muzowski. Hey, this guy's a really good player, you know. And so yeah, I think he knows how to scout talent. He knows what uh, makes a good team. He knows how to implement a system. Um, and he doesn't just have one system. He he right. looks at his his crop of players and says, okay, here's what we're gonna do. And whereas um, I think Matias Almeida, you know. He's really good at what he does, but he can only do the one thing that he knows how to do really well. Whereas right. I think Ian Russell is a little bit more personal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, finally, oh, oh, sorry. No, no worries, no worries. I just had to say, um, what what team do you think will snatch him up? I mean, we're at the bottom, and we're not looking for a coaching game. One of the expansion teams. Um, oh I'm yeah. Maybe, yeah, yeah, that's right. So uh, I'm thinking maybe even like Sacramento when they make the jump, they'll probably like, you know what, we played against this guy too many times. Let's bring him on to our time, uh, our team, <laughs> so because uh, we know what he can do for us. So yeah, because uh, yeah. that would be something so, that's like perfect, right? Yeah, so that's why I think Ian Russell's probably going to get a little bit more. Um, I mean, people, pe- he's on people's radars. Let me just say that. So not just Quakes fans, but I, don't be surprised if he gets snatched up in the off season uh, by another team that's going to make the jump to MLS or you know already has made the jump and they're just looking right. to, to retool. Right. All right. Uh, finally. Um, oh. Go ahead. Sorry. I thought no, that was no, the last one. Oh, I was just going to go. I am optimistic about the team's future. This is the first time in any of the polls where more people said, no, I am not optimistic about the team's future. 56% Ooh. said no. That's particularly damning because you, there was dark times before, but like there's still some reason for optimism, but Right now, clearly the bad outweighs the good. So yeah, I think with the, the players we have, you need, you need a major overhaul of the players. You need to spend the money at this rate. You know, MLS is becoming a very um, the salaries are going higher and higher, and we need an owner that's going to be able to match what other teams are offering players. And I don't think we have that owner. So I think fans are worried about attracting talent to San Jose. Right. Um, I think there's a lot of worry that, and deservedly so, with uh, the future of the team right now. Which it shouldn't be hard attracting talent, to be honest. I mean, yeah. I mean, we're having a hard time getting a sponsor. That's the craziest thing to me. Uh, and mm-hmm. and this isn't the first time we've had to, you know, be sponsorless, right? We had the Amway kits for a while, and then mm-hmm. we were sponsorless. Even when we got the new logo and we're opening up a new stadium, uh, we were struggling to find a kit sponsor. So. Right. This goes to show, you know, uh, and I, 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 I want to kind of call out Bay Area fans. Like Bay Area fans are pretty um, fair weather. You know, they love the Niners when they're winning. When the Niners are losing, they don't care so much. Mm. Um, I'm not saying about Raiders fan base, you know, win or lose, that they're an awesome fan base. Uh, but you look at the A's, the A's aren't winning. Not a lot of people were going to their games. Right. When the Sharks mm-hmm. – when the Sharks were well, – the Sharks have always been a pretty good team. They're always a playoff contender, so, you know, you got a lot of fans going to the Sharks. If the Quakes aren't putting out a product that is competitive and winning, uh, they're not going to see a lot of Bay Area fans being loyal uh, to the sense that um, 
you know, they're going to be able to, to be a powerhouse club like some of these other emerging clubs are. I mean, you look at Atlanta and what they're right. doing with that fan base, right? Um, you know, they, the, the, the team has got to be willing to invest in the players and make them a championship caliber team, not just a hope we get into the playoffs. In fact, Jordan Stewart tweeted this. Right. Um, I think it was yes, uh, yesterday, as a matter of fact. You know, you, you, you can't have playoffs be the goal, right? If playoffs are your goal and you, and you come up short, you're just going to keep doing what the team has been doing. you got to have championships as your goal, and playoffs are just, like, expected at this right. point. And I don't know if the team is going to be – and once, the, once the, the front office and ownership are, are willing to splash the cash and make the club into that competitive, you know, we're spending money and we're, we're on the radar for these players that are coming over from, you know, European leagues that are um, – like I, I gave the example of Chicharito, right? Uh, he signed with LA Galaxy. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. And the, the Quakes were not even on the list of, of teams that could have signed him. And it's like, why aren't we ever – willing to spend money on yeah to on these players that are coming they still have legs you know they can still play but yet the quakes are are not we're not bringing in marquee big name players we never have and i don't that's something that fans aren't going to get behind but they're not going to get behind loss after loss and blowout loss after blowout loss so the craziest thing to me is with the big the big you know latin population that we have in san jose or even the big like even Honda, you know, the, you know, the player, the Japanese player that went to Brazil, Yeah, we would have, I mean, I would have took in Honda with the, you know, the Asian community in San Jose. That would have been cool too. Right. I mean, we're not, even, <laughs> we're not even doing anything to become anything in this league and in the international. I mean, I have, I have uh, brother-in-laws that live in Japan that don't even know about us, but they know about LA United. They know about LA galaxy. They know about mm-hmm. LA. And it's just like, ah, oh, man, we gotta, we gotta definitely, you gotta make a splash with someone. I mean, I always say there's eighteen thousand people at the stadium, but then you look on Quake's Twitter, you look on Quake's Reddit, you look on Quake's Facebook. There's only about about a thousand of us, really. There's not a lot, yeah, especially on social media. There's a lot of lurkers and things like that too, but um, that I'd say the fan base has definitely dwindled. Um, right. So over the last like three, four or five years. Yeah. Yeah. And to add to that sentiment of people not seeing the light at the end of the tunnel, the ESPN power rankings aren't going to provide any sort of silver lining either. They officially plummeted to the bottom of the uh, major league soccer power rankings. And this was following the Portland loss and before the Rapids loss. So if there is a way to put them lower than 26, they'll find a way. Um, <laughs> not much more to s- say there other than and, uh, have no complaints. Yeah, and, and armchair analyst Matt Doyle uh, gave the team an overall grade of F on MajorLeagueSoccer.com, an only <laughs> team to get an F. So, yeah, right. when you're ranked, I mean, when, when you're getting an F on, on MLS Soccer and you're ranked 26 out of 26 on ESPN, it's not good. Yeah, and I don't feel like any alarm bells are ringing, and it's just bizarre. Like, even without there being the threat of relegation, you should not want to be the worst team in the league because, with all due respect, because there are some great soccer players in this country, getting a number one MLS draft pick is not the same as getting Zion. It's not. 
I mean, um, at the end of the day, yeah. at the end of the day, I don't think they want it either. But Matias Almeida is just too stubborn. I'm kind of in the camp now. I know this is gonna get your tinfoil hats on. I'm kind of in the camp that this might be something that he is doing, or at least the players are doing to get something out of the owner. Because you don't lose this bad unless you have the job security. I mean, Jesse Fiorelli, but I mean, I don't know. There has to be a reason. There has to, they can't be this stubborn. I, I don't know. I, I mean, if he is, that's either really genius or really ballsy to like, right. (laughs) Intentionally tank a team um, and play this badly just to, try and get the team to invest more money in it. Um, I'm not saying that's not the case. From what I can tell, I don't, I, I would say Matias Almeida, um, he is visibly frustrated. You know, that the whole, he didn't want to do the press conference cause he had a headache. Um, right. That, that was a red flag for me. Like, I yeah. think, you know, he, he knows what he needs to have to succeed and he doesn't have it. And he's hinting at it in a lot of different ways. We don't have the players. We don't. And he's telling, he's basically telling everybody, I can't do it. I can't do it with, with what I got. And unless that's going to change, and I don't think it's going to change, you know, it's, 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 it is what it is. So. Mm-hmm. If any coach could do it, I think it would have to be a superstar head coach. And I, and I think that's what we have. Mm-hmm. I think we got a coach, like I said, I think he does one thing really well. He specializes in the one thing he does really well. But if you don't have the ingredients to do that one thing, you're seeing the results as they materialize on the field. So that's why we're getting blowout loss after blowout loss. Right. Um, he doesn't have the ingredients he needs to make that, you know, that, that tasty. I mean, we've seen glimpses of it. And don't get me wrong. We saw it in 2019. So I don't think it's a player issue per se, um, well, we did have a lot of player turnover. So, well, not too much player turnover. Uh, he's, he's, he, in terms of the starting lineup, he started taking players out of the lineup and inserting other players into the lineup. And I think that really affected him. Plus, I think um, the one-on-one scheme, it is kind of um, – it, it was new and it worked. Right. But once teams figured it out, then I don't think it was um, as threatening or as uh, teams could prepare for it, whereas they weren't preparing for it before, and so San Jose right. would be successful. So. Well, the funniest thing is it was working, but we didn't make the playoffs. So did it really yeah. work? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, it, it was working until uh, he he started messing with the lineup, and he, it was working until uh, we brought in Carlos Fierro and Andy Rios. And um, <laughs> that's that's when it really started to slide in, in a really backwards way. So we, we tank the 2019 season and 2020 just gets worse. Um, mm-hmm. So I remember the LAFC game last year when I think we lost four one um, in LAFC. Uh, they were, they were at Avaya. They had two sections of LAFC fans basically jumping back and forth. And I was like, Oh my goodness, like this is, this is crazy. And then it, it started and, like you, you could see there are cracks in the system and it's kind of seeing like, yeah, this might not be um, a, a team that is, uh, that is going to be competitive, consistently competitive if they have these kind of blowout losses. And then with the Minnesota loss early to start the season, right. What was it? Four one or something like that. Um, yeah. It was, it, you, you just kind of knew, I think it's, this isn't, yeah. this isn't going to be a good year. 
So. Yeah. So we should get talking about the second game on our agenda, the Ooh. September 23rd fixture in Commerce City, where Colorado Rapids hosted the San Jose Earthquakes. And let's just read off the lineups real quick. So Rapids started Yarbrough and Goal, Rosenberry, Abubakar, Trusty, and Vines as their back line. Price and Acosta as their holding midfielders. Galvan, Bassett, and Lewis uh, right behind Andre Shinyashiki. And Quakes, they started Vega, Thompson, Youngworth, Beeson, Lopez, Judson, Espinoza, Ewell, Cow, Fierro, and Rios. So just off the top of your head, you think there's not too much to split these two teams, right? So then this 5-0 loss to the Rapids, it immediately flushes several excuses down the drain for me because this isn't the Cascadia teams, Portland and Seattle, where they have this background of being consistently going far in MLS playoffs or qualifying for the playoffs, winning MLS Cups. This isn't the LA duo where they have international superstars buoying their team's success. This is the Rapids who have a similar model and approach to player acquisition as the Quakes, but yet they came together. The goals came from – it could have been 6-0, but there was one goal that was ruled offside because – and I was surprised. I was surprised that goal got overturned. To be honest, I did not see conclusive evidence that the player was offside, but I'll take it. So, yeah. So uh, Kellen Acosta scored a finesse goal that was ruled offside due to Jack Price's positioning in the buildup, but and it was also way after the fact. Like, I'm sorry, you should not take five minutes to make that decision. You gotta <laughs> stop play, make a decision in like 60 seconds, because that's enough time to see the replay three or four times and make a decision. Um, and then Jack Price did make amends. His free kick met the head of Cole Bassett. Bassett is another interesting MLS prospect that I think he's going to develop into a good player. But, and, but the problem is no one was marking him. I get there was two people on Lalas Abubakar who is a pretty big physical presence in his own might, yeah. but you don't leave Cole Bassett open when he has scored or assisted in six of his nine appearances for the Rapids this season. Right. This is not doing your homework. And it, I made him definitely made some poor substitutions in this game. At halftime, he took off Cowell. He put on Wando when it should have been Rios off, Wando on. And then mm-hmm. he, when he's 2-0 down, because Jonathan Lewis, another exciting prospect, he scored it shortly after halftime. Yeah. He, he subs on Paul Marie for Espinoza. When you're 2-0 down with – about half that, hour to go, you have enough time to turn it around. That is defeatist mentality to put in Paul Marie. He might as well have been waving a white flag as he came on the pitch. And <laughs> shortly after that, I feel like that was instant karma. They scored again 3-0. It's like the universe saying, okay, we see your weak-ass move. We're going to make you <laughs> concede another goal anyway. And it was just downhill from there. It was a Tommy Thompson own goal followed by n- – Mesquita, who essentially just made Vega look silly with his goal. And then the person who deserved a goal all night, Andre Shiki, who was the complete antithesis of Andy Rios. Andy Rios possessed all the attacking threat of a Care Bear, while Andre Shiniziki <laughs> was a threat from start to finish. He finally got his goal, 5-0 Rapids. What were your thoughts besides what I just said? <laughs> yeah, I mean, 
let's let's go rapid fire here. Uh, no pun intended. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, oh, jeez. <laughs> rapid <Awful>. fire. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean that. I think our season summed up by that Cade Cowell pass to Andy Rios. No effort at all. So. Um, uh, yeah, when the, the cross, right? Where yeah. KCAL works all the way to the baseline, crosses it into the box, and you have a jogging Andy Rios. If Andy Rios was actually sprinting, he would have got to that ball and put it, you know, had a quality shot. But because he was jogging, I know exactly that play. And yeah, that was, yeah, that's our season. That's a great metaphor right there. Yeah, and you see the effort in these young players like Calvillo, Cowell, Akanya Rije, Beeson. They play like they care, they play like they give a crap. Rios does not play like he gives a crap. And some of these other stats, like there are a few silver linings in the stats against Portland, but no such thing here. 16 to 6 shot advantage for Colorado. They had eight shots on target, another clinical performance, scoring five of them. Well, maybe four because I don't think the own goal counts as a shot on target. But it was eight to four shots on target for Colorado. It would have been because if, if Tommy didn't get it, there was a Colorado player right there that was going to put it in anyway. So. Okay, so that would have yeah, been just unfortunate the fifth on Tommy goal. Thompson. Yeah. Yeah. Um, sixty percent possession for Rapids again. Like they don't have a Nicholas Ladero or a Nani that is right. eating up the possession. This is freaking Kellen Acosta pulling the strings. Eighty-nine percent passing accuracy for Rapids, so they barely put a foot wrong. Seventy-nine percent for Quakes, even though that's a C plus in school, that felt like fifty percent pass accuracy at times. <laughs> 534 total passes compared to 363 by the Quakes and duels won 47 to 28 Rapids. So it was complete domination there. And with all the the Rapids deserve all the credit in the world for this. They are in the middle of the playoff hunt for the Western conference. They are, they built their squad up very well and they are playing like they don't fear anyone. They beat LA Galaxy the game before this. Right. And yeah. rightfully so, that they are playing without fear. And unfortunately, it's the complete opposite for the Quakes. So this is this is really interesting. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you the age of the not Tyler Yarbrough, but everyone else on the Rapids team. So Andre Andre Shinishiki, 23. Mm-hmm. Jonathan Lewis, 23. Cole Bassett, 19. Wow. Brian Galvin, 19. Kellen Acosta, 25, so a little bit, you know, mid-20s. Jack Price, 27. Sam Vines, 21. Austin Trusty, 22. Lalas Abubakar, 25. Wow. And Keegan Rosenberry, 26. So none of these guys are over 30. They're all teenagers or early to mid-20s, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And they bossed the Quakes. I mean, they they just it was it was embarrassing to have like so many young players boss it to veterans right like yeah. i get I, mean, I, I guess at that point they are coachable though cuz they're young so yeah yeah maybe, mm-hmm. maybe that's our problem we need to get younger and i'm at a point I, where it's like hey let's just bring up all the young guys i mean let's just play a team of young guys let's see it I yeah I, well at this point I mean what's wrong with our Reno uh, how many guys can we bring up from Reno because right. Reno is playing really well right and just we'll send it yeah get us down let's do it yeah but I would love to have Danny Mazowski at this point over Andy Rios right a young hungry guy that wants to go out and prove himself 
right. versus Andy Rios. I think maybe Andy Rios is like, man, I'm an MLS now. Like, like I, maybe that, that gave him a confidence hit, you right. know, like he, he just doesn't, am I, am I really that bad that I have to play in MLS now or something like that? I don't know. I'm just trying to. Yeah. So the players I see uh, on the current Reno roster that are still on contract with San Jose Earthquakes are Siad Haji and Gilbert Fuentes. Those are the main ones. JT Marzenkowski and Marcos Lopez have made appearances for Reno this season, but uh, they uh, are currently with San Jose Earthquakes. Uh, a bit sad, though, that Kevin Partida is a full-on transfer, so it's not like we can just say, hey, Kevin, come back. It is, mm. uh, he's on Reno's books. And we'll hopefully get a chance to talk to him at some point. Yeah, well, he's going to come on the pod, so that should be a nice little interview. Nice, right. yeah. Yeah, so right now I think the only thing I can say, and I think I said this on Twitter, was since there was clearly no defending in that game, I hope someone on the Quakes uh, staff was taking notes because the Rapids are becoming what we thought the Quakes could become. They are doing things things right and they are not spending a lot of money on players they're developing their talent and they have an identity and their identity is their youth and their fearlessness and quakes can't even cling on to their system as an identity because if a system doesn't even work it doesn't really count right yeah. <laughs> well, you know what's crazy is they actually got a guy though. They got Tim Howard. I mean, they got a star and then now they have Yarborough which is in, in, you know, U.S. men's national team world, a star as well. From, like, 2015, but still. Like, he <laughs> does have experience in yeah. the U.S. men's national team. And Clint um, Irwin is their backup, too, uh, right. goalkeeper. Yeah, he's a well-traveled goalkeeper. He was on Toronto mm-hmm. and a few other clubs. So, backup, though. yeah, he, one of the best backups in the league, I think. Um, main questions time. Uh what I'll do is I'll read off the questions and then we'll alternate again b- between Dan and Fabi to try to answer some of them. Awesome. Um, before we get started, though, uh, you did ma- have an interesting question on Twitter, Fabi, uh, that I did want to address to kink things off. So yeah, let's, uh, the let's Quakes, answer it. Yeah, so the Quakes average break has been 3.25 days. And before I saw this, I figured it was roughly the same for everybody. But as it turns out, it's been five for Galaxy, 4.5 for LAFC, 4.57 for Rapids, 5.16 for Sounders, and 4.42 for Timbers. And it may not seem like a huge amount of difference, but especially since none of these numbers for the other teams are even three point something, that's a significant difference. It does add up with the amount of games that are played. So, and, and this is does the average of games or of days between games. So right, yeah, for everybody listening, this is an average of all the days that they had between all the games that they've played. God damn, I'm slipping if I didn't mention that first. My apologies, but uh, <laughs> does Almeida have a valid excuse? What do you guys think? Dan, what do you think? So basically, this is the average of all the the days between each game, and the Quakes average of 3.25, and then the closest average to it was the Timbers at 4. Four two days in between games. So my first response is show me like where, I mean, so I'm looking at San Jose, I'm looking at Portland, 
um, and their schedules. Um, yeah, San Jose did have a lot of back-to-back -back games, um, September 5th, September 10th. So that was a five-day break. September 13th, three-day. September 16th, three-day. September 19th, three-day. And then September 23rd, four-day. Portland, you know, September 23rd, September 19th, four-day. September 16th, three-day. September 13th, three-day. But then, yeah, they had a big break with September 6th. So I think there is validity there. Um, I don't know if it's if it's the the reason why uh, the the quakes are performing so poorly, um, but I do think there is beef to be you know there, so, there, the quakes yeah Almeida does have it sounds like he does have like you know if we're playing a condensed season you know give us the the same rest that uh, other teams are 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 entitled to. So right. it happened because of we went far in the MLS's back tournament as well as we didn't play our first game back. So yeah. we, had a, we had a very long stretch before we started playing games. And just because um, everybody played a game before us and then another game before us because we didn't actually play our first game, it made it super condensed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, the only five game break they've five day break they've had since the this slave games has begun was between the one one draw against the Rapids at home and the uh, clobbering at CenturyLink Field. So it has been a bit difficult, but there's no way that this scheduling situation you can still complain about it and you can still talk to MLS and that should be something that should be looked at, but you can't. You put it all about the large losses on that situation. And I'm not saying that Almeida is, but it is a legitimate gripe. Yeah. I, well, the Quakes, are, they're about to have a week off. I'm looking at their mm -hmm. schedule now. So Sunday, September 27th, Saturday, October 3rd. That's a full week. Um, and then they have another Wednesday through Sunday, five-day break. So if you're looking for, you know, resting your players, then, you know, take advantage of the time that's coming up. Yeah. Right, we'll go into the schedule. That'll be the last thing we cover uh, after we finish uh, this podcast. But that's a good point that they'll finally get that rest. And, you know, you got what you needed to make the most of it. You know, spend a few good days training, but also heal as much as you need to or at as least, much as possible. At least release I think that – go ahead, Dan. I was going to say – I. The, that's that stat between like average rest days between games or something like that. I mean, now that I'm thinking, that's a huge stat because if you're playing tired, you're more prone to injury. Right. You know, um, and especially when you're going to Colorado, you know, mile high elevation, you've played back to back three, a game every three days. And now you got to go to Colorado and expected to, um, you know, do well in Colorado. Now keep in mind, um, Colorado, they had a four-day wait between their game, uh, LA Galaxy, and then playing at home. Uh, and then they had a uh, – they had so three – I'm looking at their schedule. So four days, three days, three days, four days. So they even they were even having a little bit more rest between games. So, um, yeah, I think that's – whoever brought that up on Twitter, that's a really good – that's a really good point. And so uh, thank you for that, for bringing that up. Because, yeah, yeah. So I actually got it from the Quakes Discord. So I, I, th I saw it, and I was like, wow, that's – that's a really good stat. Shout out to the Discord for the Quakes. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I think it's huge because we don't even play a normal 
system. We need to, we play a man marking system where they're gassed all the time. Yeah. So it's something on top of that. I mean, if we played a normal four, four, two, then okay. There's that excuse is less, but these guys on defense are completely gassed and it's, mm-hmm. and, and there's not that many interchangeable guys in the back line anyway. Yeah. So Kevin yeah, we're Portillo, down to our last two. Yeah. Sorry, Daniel, you can finish your thought oh, no, and I'll ask the question. No, no, I'm saying like, yeah, we're, we're down to our last two center backs, I think, right? Are Kashia and Alanis both injured? I believe so. Yeah. Uh, we, yeah. Can, we can play Akinuridge. I think he's, you know, he's a young player, but Flo, um, you know. And then Judson, I think he played one of the games as center back, but I can't really consider that a legitimate option. Yeah. Um, so Kevin Portillo on Twitter asks, has Matias Almeida given up on this team? I've never seen him look as tired and lethargic. Fabi, since you're the one with the tinfoil hat on, why don't you give that one a crack? <laughs> um, I think <laughs> let's, let's let me put on my tinfoil hat. You know, uh, I don't think he has. I think um, I want to see some sort of rumor come out. I mean, that we're looking at some sort of guys. If I was the Quakes PR team or Jesse Pirinelli, I would leak something right now. Because if, uh, if we have nothing to look forward to, of course we're going to think that they give up, gave up on the team as well. So we, I, I, I understand where this question is coming from, but I don't think he's given up on the team. And he looks so tired and lethargic because, again, this is a battle between him and the owner. I even think Jesse Farinelli's in on this. I think it's a battle between these two guys versus the owner. They want to open that pocketbook. But again, I would release some sort of rumor saying that we can't afford something and then get the outcry of the fans, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I don't think he's given up on the team. I do think he's given up on the ownership, though, or at least he's calling them out, um, saying, hey, you guys need to be willing to invest in a quality team if you want to have a quality team. You can't just like hire a coach and um, you know expect him to make make magic with, with the, the players that are pretty young and, ex, and experienced that you've given me. At the same time, you also made it sound like, oh, we have the roster to compete and we should be able to. Um, but I think now he's kind of realizing, oh yeah, that might not have been, that might've been a premature assessment. And now that I see um, kind of what the future holds, we really need ownership to open up their, their checkbook. So I don't think he's given up on the team. I don't think he's given up on the project, but I do think if he, if ownership is unwilling to open up their checkbooks and invest, I do see him leaving. Uh, not because, mm-hmm. not because he, he doesn't think he can do it with what he has, but I don't think he sees the commitment from ownership that he would like to see. Um, and so why should he waste his time when there are other opportunities available? So Dom and Phil brought up a good point on trade chapter 90. Um, do you think that other another MLS team would go after him if he decides to leave? Imagine Atlanta United getting Matias Almeida. Yeah, this goes with another question we had from Nestor at Valizi. Uh, he asked, could Matias Almeida be successful if he left to another MLS team and tried to play the same system? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, mm. in, in Atlanta, <laughs> he would demolish – um, I think with that type of pocketbook and any Argentinian he would want, he would. <laughs> what do you think, Dan? Um, I think obviously he would be successful. I think um, he's he's a competent coach. Uh, sometimes his personnel decisions kind of make me scratch my head with Vega and Rios, um, but I don't 
see him being a failure uh, with other teams, especially if there's a project like with one of these expansion teams that are coming out, like Austin or something like that. Um, yeah. um, they already have their coach, but if, like if there's a project out there, I think, you know, he would jump right into it. And uh, I think he would be successful with a, with a different team. I just, I, I, I think there's, there's more to the story with San Jose than we can see, but what behind, what goes on behind closed doors. And I think, mm. His visible, his visible frustrations are kind of showing that there's there's something going on behind the closed doors that he's not happy with. Yeah, I have to believe that he can do better at any other MLS club because every other MLS club has made more transfers. Like even like Nashville is still linked with more players, I feel, than in the San Jose Earthquakes. And uh, I want to quickly address Devin at Devbo88. He asked about breaking down Almeida's comments regarding Fisher, which we covered. Almeida mentioned, like, there's no magic wand. And so that came across as possibly a final warning or at least a warning of any kind toward ownership. And is there anything that's left to be said about this question? Why does Andy Rios not fit in with the San Jose Earthquakes? Yeah, I think it's effort. I think um, he, like Dan said earlier in the podcast, he might have this confidence or might have this ego where he's like, man, I'm playing in MLS. I'm not going to give it my all. And I think it's, it's that completely. I think if he's just running to score, to score a goal, we think differently of him, but I mean, it's evident on his body language. It's evident on his, his, his game. I mean, his gameplay, I, I, that's it. He just doesn't put in, he's not putting enough effort. Yeah, he, he got a big paycheck, and I think he's just like – I think his confidence really went down. And when you're a player and you don't have confidence, that's really going to affect, like, how well you play. Like, your, your approach to the game, your approach to practices, you know. And I think uh, these kind of lopsided defeats in which he is not producing any offense is, is not helping the situation. It's probably making the situation worse for him. So I think that's a, a just, you know – it's 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 a problem that's being compounded, if that makes sense. Why isn't he fitting in with the team? Um, because he had a bad start, and that's causing him to – and I'm not saying this is all the, the only reason why he's not fitting in with the team. But I think, you know, he has a confidence issue, and it's, 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 it's cascading uh, in a really bad way for him. Right. Okay. William at BP underscore Schneider asks, are we really buying into the Mattias development approach, saying that he's yes, focusing yes. on youth? Matias, yes. And uh, also, Dom mentioned that other teams have adjusted the man marking system, but why haven't the Quakes responded to those adjustments? And I feel like for the second question, it, we got to chalk it up to Almeida is being stubborn, I guess. He wants to right. play this way, come hell or high water. But yeah. as for the first one, I think we can expand on that a bit more. So do you think that d- developing youth is has ever been one of the priorities for Almeida now that out of necessity he's starting to play them more perhaps yeah I think it's out of necessity I don't think he was doing that at Chivas right Ivan he wasn't really playing the youth I don't remember him playing the youth I feel like the youth they have now like JJ Macias and Alexis Vega they weren't part of the team or around when he was head coach but it could be wrong my Chivas history is a little more foggy than my San Jose Earthquake history. So, yeah. Dan, what do you from think? My me- from my memory, I, I want to say he he overhauled teams, and I think Joel mm-hmm. Saria 
hit, uh, you also hit it on Twitter um, when he kind of shows how there's a big turnover when he comes into these clubs, right? And um, kind of the, the overhaul that he does. So um, I think we need to look at what Yoel Saria highlighted on Twitter with his, um, you know, right. he, he comes in and out with the old and with the new. And I don't think it's new youth. I think it's, um, you know, players that he's bringing in from other teams, if that makes sense. Right. That makes sense. Just going back to like the, the presser question, I find it very odd that Matias has a hard time handling people being critical about him which is odd because he played in, I mean, Liga MX, right? So that media cycle is way worse. So when he was talking about El Es Mala Leche, it's like, you know, it's, it's bad. It's, it's bad. You know, spoiled milk. You can't really talk bad about me. I thought that was really odd. I thought he <laughs> definitely had a boiling point or something. Again, it, this is a what have you done for me lately sort of sport. San Jose Earthquakes fans are well aware of his resume from before the Quakes, but it's one of those things like if you're not going to provide that level of play consistently at this club, it's like, you know, you gave your previous club's present, your Santa Claus, and we got coal. Like, come on. (laughs) Yeah, great analogy. Yeah, so at Matt3Leo asks, will the presence of Oakland Roots put pressure on San Jose Earthquakes to improve their product on the field? This was similar to what you brought up, Dan, about the rise of Sacramento Republic. They'll be joining uh, the MLS, I believe, 2023. And while Sacramento is pretty close to the Bay Area, it's considered a different media market. Uh, Not a lot of overlap between Kings and Warriors fans, for example. However, Oakland is the exact same media market. San Francisco, Oakland, San Jose, they do have some conflicting teams in other sports. But And even though Oakland Roots will be in USL, I feel like if there's a better product in USL and it's cheaper as well, people are going to be more inclined to go Oakland Roots games than San Jose Earthquakes games. That's something that they do have to be wary of. Yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and say, I'm gonna say I hope I hope so I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You hope it affects um, the the San Jose Earthquakes. Yeah, I I, I, have, yeah. I I really I hope that Oakland tries to tap into the SF market a little more as well because San Jose has no marketing above San Jose at all. So I know I saw a couple of billboards for Stanford Stadium, um, maybe about three years back up in the Peninsula area where I live. But I hope Oakland Roots puts a little pressure. But I think the Quakes are smarter than that. I think they're going to ask them to be their affiliate before they can actually, like, make it. Yeah, they used to have more of an outreach in other parts of the Bay Area because my cousin, he went to De La Salle High School, which is a high school that has produced players such as Chris Wondolowski, JT Marcinkowski, and Stefan Fry. He was with the Quakes Academy for a few years, and De La Salle is over in Concord. so. There was a bit of a presence, and San Jose Earthquakes are still looking around different areas. Like Fuentes is in is from Tracy, Jacob Acanarije is from Pleasanton. So yeah. it definitely, there. I know that in other sports, there is the seventy-five mile rule, where like that's the limit for where you can uh, 
advertise. And if you are run into another media market, then it's split the dif difference. And by that logic, San Jose should be seeing advertisements from Dixon down to Monterey. Like there's, my math might be a little <laughs> off, but that's how it should be if marketing is doing what they're doing. And to be fair, there are some people in the media department that are doing a good job. And in the marketing, I've had uh, one of the ticket reps call, call me a few weeks ago just to check in on all the, you know, recent attendees, which is really great. But overall, there's some greater issues there. Was it Audi? Uh, was it Audi? I yeah. don't think so. Oh, okay. Yeah, she does a great um, job. Uh, yeah, it was a guy. Uh, unfortunately, his name escapes me, but I appreciate you. Um, <laughs> so, uh, we got two more questions. Trent at Go Effing Jags with <laughs> <laughs> one of my favorite uh, Twitter names. Uh, with Marcos Lopez getting Gardner called up Minshew, to shout out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> with Gardner, with I was about to say with Gardner Minshew, with yeah. <laughs> Lopez getting called up to the Peru national team for World Cup qualifiers. How will his absence affect our back line for the two three games he's out? And Unfortunately, you can't understate how good a player Marcos Lopez is, but with him in the lineup, the Quakes have been losing a lot. Without him, they will lose a lot. I don't think that <laughs> it'll go from 5-0 to 8-0. Hopefully not. Now I've said it, like, I might have jinxed us, but it's – I'd rather him play World Cup qualifiers than get blown out multiple times at this rate. Yeah, I think we're going to go back to seeing Tommy and Nick Lima and – Against LAFC, we're going to get seen. Um, yeah, it's LAFC coming up, right? Yes. Yeah, so it's uh, LAFC away. LAFC on Sunday, yeah. And, yeah. And Whitecaps at home. So LAFC away, we're going to see Die my favorite player, Diego Rossi, just blow away <laughs> Tommy Thompson. And then Galaxy home, we're going to see Pavon versus Tommy Thompson again, right? So yeah, it's going to – I mean, unless Paul Marie is going to be put in there, we're going to get beat. In those games, I'm sorry. Yeah, so it's LAFC, then Galaxy, then Whitecaps. Uh, again, we'll recap the schedule at the end of this podcast. And then lastly, we got Quake74 off Discord. He uh, wanted to ask something that had a little more to do with our Andres Imperial interview. Uh, how often do players often see uh, Fisher? Uh, I know he was at one of the games recently, and I believe – Andres said that yeah, in was, his two seasons, he only saw him three times. Yeah, that's that's crazy. I mean, <laughs> it's very hands-off. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and granted, we understand that Andres Imperial hasn't been around the club as long as Tommy Thompson, but still, to only see the owner uh, that little, it doesn't speak highly of his commitment to this team. Uh, any thoughts on that, Dan? Um, yeah, it's. I think with with Fisher, he, I, it's it's more of an investment than a a passion of his, if that makes sense. Yeah. And right. so when he starts to see that his investment is going potentially going bad with bad results and things like that, then he's going to show up and be like, "Hey, what's going on?" Otherwise, he's pretty hands off. And mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> yeah, it, what that. I'm, I'm thankful that we, we have a team in San Jose, obviously. Right. right. Um, so I don't want to disparage, um, you know, I, 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 
I'm, I'm glad that we have a team and I hope we can keep our team. I just, yeah. Yeah. Um, doesn't, doesn't do well for his reputation, if that makes sense. I thought Jordan Stewart's tweet really showed um, a lot. I think if a former player is going to out you that bad, I think it, it says a lot. Right. So, yeah, just keep on waiting, waiting, waiting on the world to change. But until then, <laughs> let's take a look at uh, some of these standings. Looking at the Eastern Conference, Columbus is on top with 30. Orlando, Union, and Toronto are the next three. With Caleb Porter each. coached uh, mm-hmm. Columbus, by the way. I mean, people hate hate it, but I'm like, I think he would have. But I think Caleb Porter would have been an awesome coach here. Yeah. He goes to Columbus, and they're just kicking ass. Yeah. Hey, any coach that has a run-in with Jose Mourinho has a little bit of my respect. So. Yeah. <laughs> Dan, would you have bought a Nagby jersey for the Quakes? No, nothing. <laughs> no, I mean, if he's bringing in Darlington Nagby from, and, and yeah. he's going to be a player for San Jose. Of course, of yeah, course. I buy this. I, yeah, uh, I, I, yeah, but I'm not. Gonna, I'll buy. I'll buy any San Jose player, even if they were like you know, part of Tottenham or something like that. So yeah. I'm a Arsenal fan too, so. Um, but yeah, I mean, but I'm not. I'm never going to buy another player's jersey from another team. Like, that's just <laughs> last If Caleb came here, you know, Nagby would have been on the team for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. And I would have welcomed it. I welcome to San Jose. Whatever you did in your past, that's in the past. Let's look to the future now. <laughs> yeah. And then after Toronto in fourth with 25 points, there's a bit of a drop off and it gets a little more bunched. You have New England Revolution, 18 points, NYC, 17 points, New York Red Bulls, also 17 points. The last three playoff spots since 10 make it from the east out of 14 and wow. eight out of 12 make it from the west. You have Montreal, Nashville, and Atlanta United holding on on the skin of their teeth through that last playoff spot. And then right behind them, breathing down their necks, Cincinnati 13, Chicago Fire 12. Somehow Chicago Fire is in this playoff race. And then the improving Inter-Miami at 11. Yeah, and D.C. United at the bottom with 11 points. No one is done and dusted yet in the Eastern Conference with D.C. United only three points off. Any other, like, surprises or things of note? looking at those standings orlando is a huge turnaround team mm-hmm. um yeah i'm i'm surprised but they did really well in the mls's back tournament maybe it was an advantage to have the mls's back tournament in their backyard right so because right. they were able to take the momentum of that tournament and just parlay it into a really good season so i think that's a, a big surprise so. yeah i can't, right. i can't wait for inter miami to uh, field Iguain. I don't think they're going to be down there for long. Yeah, no. with Iguain and Blaise Matuidi there now, they should be able to make the playoffs. I think if you're Nashville or Atlanta United, you better be very nervous. And looking at Western Conference, uh, it's very tight at the top. You have Sounders with 21 points in first, but Timbers also at 21 points in second, just behind on goal difference. Sporting Kansas City at third with 20. FC Dallas, a team maybe we dodged a bullet that we didn't play against them in MLS's back. They're in fourth with 19. Colorado Rapids, Boyd with that huge win, are now in fifth with also 19 points. Somehow their goal difference isn't better than FC Dallas. I guess, you know, they'll have to beat someone else up by five goals. Uh, Sixth is LAFC with 18 points. Minnesota also 18th. 
that last playoff spot is occupied by Real Salt Lake. With 17 points, they just beat LA Galaxy. So that was a good result for them. Uh, under the playoff line, we have the Whitecaps at 15. The Galaxy at 15 as well. That, that was a bit, big loss to them against Real Salt Lake. Dynamo is also at 15. So a lot of these teams are close together. But Quakes, they are six points off Real Salt Lake in the playoffs, 11 points. And their negative 21 goal difference is the worst goal difference in MLS. No one's surprised. The second worst is the Vancouver Whitecaps at negative 13, which was not helped at all by their 6-0 loss to LAFC. Yeah. They were down 5-0 at halftime in that game. Any thoughts on the Western Conference standings? Yeah, the Galaxy being down there is kind of a shocker. Um, Chicharito's on the hot seat a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. You bring in that type of player to score goals, and he has this critical goal and a run of play. So, it's um, – I mean, I guess it could be worse for the Quakes, right? We could spend money on a guy and not score goals. Right, yeah. <laughs> Well, I want to say Chicharito was also injured coming into the season. Is that right? Or am I – Yeah, he was hurt. He didn't play much in the MLS's back tournament. Uh, he took a little bit of time in after the MLS's back tournament as well because I remember – both him and Jonathan Dos Santos came off the bench in that uh, second game where they drew. Mm. Yeah, I would expect I would expect LAFC to be higher on that list, mm-hmm. especially with uh, Diego Rossi. Like, just he's such a good player. Um, Minnesota's kind of a surprise to me. I thought you know they they played really well in the MLS's back tournament. Um, they only lost to I think they lost to Columbus, right? Um, he was yeah. like the best team in MLS. So penalties, I um, think. Yeah. So I, I, uh, I think Minnesota is probably going to creep up Colorado. You know, they got that chip on their shoulder at this point. They're, they're a rising star. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. Those are the, and, go ahead. Those are the surprises for me to see Minnesota LFC so low and to see Colorado uh, moving up the table. I wouldn't be surprised to see them move higher. Yeah, it is only a four-point gap between the Sounders in first and Real Salt Lake in in eighth. So these standings, especially in the Western Conference, could change drastically when we do our next podcast. Um, And so looking a little ahead to the playoffs, if it remains that tight, if you have that one versus eight seed matchup, it doesn't look as daunting for the eight seed if it's that close. So that could be a very interesting game. Yeah. I, if the, you could be, you could be at 65%, whatever, you know, be, be in the worst two thirds and still make it into the playoffs. So if there's yeah. ever a season in which San Jose should, could make the playoffs and still be terrible, it would be this season because the bottom, you know, the the top third and the middle third all make it. It's mm-hmm. just that the bottom third is the one that, that doesn't make it. And yeah, I, I, I and Matias Almeida also, he, he kind of, he, he said there, there was a question, why are you playing so many youth? And he kind of said, well, I want to see what I'm working with for next year. And it's like, well, why aren't you worried about this year? You know, why, why, aren't, why aren't we focusing on this year? So I don't know if he's may, maybe packing in the season in a little – in subtle ways. So just food for thought. Um, yep. Because I see San Jose at the bottom, and I'm just like, man, this is, this is not good. And by, mm. at the bottom by a large margin. 
Yeah, missed opportunities. Um, we'll go over the remaining schedule yet now as well as our upcoming podcast schedule in terms of what games we'll cover. We'll also have a few other special uh, interviews and other podcasts of that nature, but for the games at least. Up next, we have uh, LAFC away on Sunday, which will be the only game that we'll cover on our October 2nd podcast, uh, at least tentatively with our Friday uh, recording schedule. And then after that, we have Galaxy home and Whitecaps at home. We'll cover those two on October 9th. We have, we have to win Vancouver. Vancouver oh, is a yeah. must win. Mm-hmm. And then we go on the road the following week. Timbers away and Galaxy away, which we'll cover on October 16th. San Jose Our- has never won in Portland in wow. MLS era. Wow. And obviously Timber is still kind of a newish team in the grand scheme of things, but still they've been in the league now for 10 years. That is a jarring stat. Um, October 18th, Sounders at home, which will be our sole game for the October 23rd podcast. And then we have an interesting game after that. We play the Whitecaps again, not in Vancouver for obvious COVID-related reasons, uh, but th- it will be an away game for the Quakes, but it will be held in Providence Park, so it will be a neutral venue. And October 28th, Real, Real Salt Lake at home, which will be covered on our October 30th podcast. And then our last two games – November 1st, LAFC at home, and November uh, 8th, Sounders away. So uh, those will just be one-game podcasts for each of those last two games. I don't know what we did to deserve playing LAFC so many times other than obvious geographic reasons. That's just, you daunting, know. Daunting. It would have been nice to mix in a sport in Kansas City here or there, like to not be <laughs> LAFC, but – it is what it is, or Houston Dynamo, but a little Nashville would have been cool. Yeah, unfortunately, Nashville is too east. So, <laughs> right. But again, this is a very scary schedule, but more of the same. Um, these guys are going to know our system, they're going to know our players. Um, and if we don't do anything to change it, it's going to be more of the same because we're going to lose one of our best defensive players, at least for the first three games. Um, mm-hmm. More of the same again. Um, but that, I guess, concludes it, right? So yep. uh, a, a little bit of a longer podcast. So if you made it this far, we want to thank you for listening. Dan, thank you for your time for coming on. Again, his cheers. His podcast is uh, Goody Time Radio, and then he runs a blog. Um, so definitely check, check out his blog, pictures, Quake's content. Um, he does it. Links to all the podcasts if you want to, like, listen to other podcasts and things like that. So, yeah, quakesfan.com. Yep. And then, um, yeah, guys, again, thank you for all your love and support. We appreciate all the questions. Um, we, uh, we do have a Patreon, so please, if you want to support us um, putting this together, we would greatly appreciate it. Pay for, like, Zoom at least. You know? <laughs> so uh, <laughs> me and Ivan are in the middle of a transition, so we would still like to uh, go through with this. Um, but, Ivan, any closing thoughts? I think that – looking ahead to the we have seven podcasts in the future worth of the remaining games quakes have on their schedule i can only hope that we can give you something different to tell you during that time right even if it it is a lot more draws than wins like i would take that at this point but ultimately 
through these last few days and talking to Dan, talking to Dom, talking to Andres, and interacting with fans all over social media as well, there's still that sense of community and commitment to this team that is the reason why we still do these podcasts and the reason why I still look forward to these podcasts. I look forward to a podcast where in the two games we <laughs> covered, we lost a combined score of 11 to 1 because there's still so much to talk about. And it is, yeah. it's our way to uh, reach out to the community. So we then, thank you for your support. And Dan, any closing thoughts for you? Yeah, I just want to thank you guys for keeping the, the podcast uh, going. And, you know, it's a tough season, obviously, but I think the more we have fans promoting the team, uh, the you know to show the, the the team that we're still there for them you know we're not going to leave them we're not going to stop cheering for them right uh, I'm I my my site was hacked last year and you know what I'm like you know what the team I'm gonna I'm gonna bring back my blog because I want to like you know support the team and and this is one of the ways that I can do it now I I want to encourage fans you know they're going to be tough times like this you know and it's just part of supporting a, a sports club uh, it doesn't mean that this is going to be the way it is forever, you know? Right. So hang, hang tight. Uh, we might be in lean times right now, but better times are always going to be on the horizon. So keep supporting the team, keep coming out, supporting, um, you know, supporting the podcasts, uh, supporting the work that's being done at Quake's Epicenter, uh, Black and Azul, all the other uh, media right. things that we're doing to try and get the team going. So we thank you fans for uh, doing that for us. Yeah. And we just want to reiterate that if any of you other Quake's media people are listening to this we appreciate you supporting us and you are all doing a terrific job as well part of the reason why i wanted to do this podcast in the first place is because of your work and contributions so we're happy to be a part of this family yeah thank you guys for listening and go quakes, go quakes. and uh go quakes and one last thing you can <laughs> follow ivan you can follow myself at ivan ornellis2 on twitter you can oh, yeah. follow dan at quakesfan on twitter and you can follow Fabian at the only Quaker also on Twitter. So now have a good night. <laughs> that was a little premature. We have a YouTube as well. So if you don't, you can't listen to this on uh, Apple podcasts or Spotify or anything, uh, YouTube is there. All right. And I'm going to say it for good. Go Quakes. Okay. Go Quakes. Cheers. Go Quakes.